We're judging the world and saying what sucks. We're reviews versus the world. Everybody, well, welcome to our very first podcast. Woo! This is Reviews versus the Podcast. This particular episode is, of course, Review 20, Reviews versus 2014, where we're going to talk a little bit about some of our favorite things that we had in all of geekdom in 2014. But before we get into that, let's go ahead and I want to make sure that we introduce ourselves. So let's go ahead and start with Steven. He is our resident English man. And by that I mean he actually majored and graduated with a degree in English, which means that we're surprised he's not unemployed. So I'm like waving at the microphone, like that makes a difference. <laughs> Give it a I, think it, up. I think it makes a difference in, yeah, the tone. <laughs> it does. It makes like a difference you, in the tone. When you smile when you speak, based on when you don't. <laughs> Apparently your voice gets lower when you don't smile. It does for blood. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm excited. We've got, there's, there's been a lot of good stuff happening in the world. Some comic books and cartoons, which are kind of my two big things. And yeah, it's going to be fun to talk about. Awesome, awesome. And next up, we have our resident affirmative action hire in Aldo. <laughs> Way to set the tone, Brady. <laughs> Excellent. Now, people know exactly what we're about. <laughs> Quality. With an all-male cast. <laughs> we're about diversity, but no girls allowed. Oh, man. But, uh, I'm getting I'll... white guilt and dude guilt. At the same time. <laughs> white dude guilt. Yeah. Anyway. The worst kind of guilt. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I'm the guy that's into anime and comics and uh, video games. That's what I do. That's my things. That's my introduction, yeah. yeah. Woo! <laughs> All right, and next up we have our resident redhead. Well, someone had to do it. Yeah, we needed a ginger. I mean, once again, diversity is all what we're about. You got a ginger beard right now. Well, that's impressive. I I can grow a scarf. Nothing else grows really, but I don't want a scarf. My wife doesn't want a scarf either. You don't want a neck beard? No, that's kind of gross. At least on me. Other people can have it, but not me. I'm actually the only non. Oh, I should have worn my facial hair today. Sorry. Now I love Marvel and Pixar and movies in general, I guess, and animation and comics. I'm still kind of new into comics. I'm looking at Stephen's wonderful collection here, and I have a handful of these. I think I have the essentials, but I'm still trying to move on. I'm, I'm reading comics as fast as Marvel Unlimited will let me in, as <laughs> you know, quickly as I can buy up Batman trades. So. We can talk later. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, awesome. And I am Brady. I am... About all things TV and games. Those are my specialties. Alright, um, before we get into our absolute top five of 2014, let's talk a little bit about what we've been a fan of just recently. In the last month, what has grabbed us that we might not have expected. And, you know, these can be things that are might be a little bit older, things that we haven't really... You know, they've been around since 1968, but I just found them, so they are suddenly awesome. <laughs> so let's go ahead. Does anybody want to start this off? I'll go ahead and start. So a couple things that have caught my attention recently. They're actually both pretty new releases, though. Um, for Christmas, I received a copy of What <coughs> If, 
the uh, book by Randall Monroe of XKCD fame. Um, it's just a collection of essays exploring what would happen from a scientific perspective if this rather improbable thing occurred. And so, for example, one of the opening essays is all about what happens if you gather the entire population of the Earth into a single location and have them jump? And it turns out the answer is, well, the jump doesn't do much, but then getting everyone home actually causes civilization to collapse. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually, my brother-in-law got that for Christmas, too, and it, I read that chapter, and it says, you know, getting everyone, like the whole population of the Earth would fit in the state of Rhode Island. Like, giving us a frame of reference. It would take up the whole state. And he talks about, what, traffic congestion killing everyone on the way out, right? Yes. Love it. And so that's, that's been a, a lot of fun to read through. I also received for Christmas the uh, Batman 66 uh, Adam West television series, which I have not yet started watching, but I've got quite an appreciation for, for that era of Batman, probably being the most faithful... Uh, multimedia adaptation of Batman that we've ever had outside of the comics. Yeah, that's right, I said it. Adam West is the best Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going yeah. to just sit here and not flip out. Okay. I would drop the mic if it weren't all those inexpensive. <laughs> really? Adam West is the best Batman? We'll talk later. Okay. I think we need to have a Batman. Reviews against Batman versus Well, I think that one thing that is absolutely indisputable, though, is Cesar Romero is by far the best Joker, right? He's definitely the best mustachio Joker. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the a man that will put white makeup over his face, over his mustache, because he is unwilling to shave it for a role. That is a man that I can get behind. He's a Latin lover, man. There's there's one true Batman, and it's Kevin Conroy. He's number two. But well, he's the voice of that. <laughs> let's, let's face it, if you've seen a picture of Kevin Conroy, you could push him down a flight of stairs. <laughs> Not his voice, though. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I think that 66 is important for the history of Batman and keeping Batman alive and everything, but we'll, we'll have to talk about that. Because <laughs> uh, clearly you have the, the uh, education to back it up with the number of Batman comics I can see right here, so... So let's stay tuned for a future <laughs> reviews versus the Batman. Bat fight. <laughs> Episode upcoming. All right. Uh, anything else, Stephen? That's good. All right. Awesome. <laughs> Who wants to go next? Uh, I, I will go next because John is taking a drink of water. I don't want to interrupt that. Oh. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm just. Uh, I should talk to. I've been into catching up with a lot of uh, anime. I've been trying to keep up with the with what's called simulcasting, which is they quickly add subtitles to something that came out in Japan uh, within an hour, and then they give it to me, and then I have to read the broken subtitles. Um, it's <laughs> gonna be all kinds of fun. Yeah, it's pretty fun. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's actually it's I don't know it's nice. I like keeping up with the, with the current anime, but uh, I've been catching up with some stuff, and there's. Uh, there's a couple things that I really enjoyed. One of them was, um, uh, it's called Kill a Kill, in which you wear Super Saiyan clothing. But that company, that animation studio, also did, also worked on another series called, uh, like, Teppen Tagen Gurren Lagen or something like that. I just call it Gurren Lagen. But it's about people, like, in a drilling community and giant robots. Big manly robots. Big manly robots. They are robots and they are manly. Yeah, and I'm also recuperating. I doubt that's a real word. Um, <laughs> but I'm also I'm just, I'm just healing from the end of a ten-year-long 
manga called Naruto, which everybody has heard about and everybody's sick of it by this point. But it's about a ninja that wears bright orange, because that makes sense. Um, for the ten year long... So you think stealthy. You think bright, bright orange. Yeah. yeah. You know what, though? He adds black to it. Orange is the new black. But that was a ten year long uh, series, and that just finished up. So that was that was ten years of my life that essentially mean nothing now. Um, <laughs> well, it meant nothing then either. I mean, you were reading Naruto. Yeah. Okay. I was just saying, I saved you the ten years by telling you, uh... <laughs> Although I hear, I hear it actually got really good at the end. It did. Kind it kind of got rid of a lot of the filler stuff. It, it did. The, the manga was good. Uh, the mm. anime just added tons more filler. <laughs> tons more filler. Um, but apart from that, I've been catching up with Arrow and uh, so I can get current with Arrow and The Flash. I still move cards on the table. I still haven't seen The Flash. Uh, I know that I'm, like, behind. You know, I will say this about The Flash. The Flash is the most comic booky TV show that they've had yet. I mean... No other, no other comic book TV show would actually come out and call somebody Captain Cold. What's his name? Well, yeah. Was but Parker? Superman was the red-blue blur. Come on. <laughs> In Smallville. This is, that's legit. They're using the code name. It's no less silly than frickin' red-blue blur. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, yeah, on my list, too, to catch up on, because I'm, I'm way behind on... Yeah. CW. Well, I, I do like the fact that none of the villains have named themselves. They all get named by everybody else. So like in, uh, in Arrow, Deathstroke gets his name from Argus because that's the code name they give him, and he just rolls with it. And like that's that's one of the things I like is that it, there's a, there's a slight level of like campy and cheesiness, um, but it never gets so over the top that you that it pulls you out. Like Jamie Foxx coming out of the chamber thing and saying, "I'm Electro." Yeah, exactly. Ugh. That's exactly the way it was in comics. Really? Yeah. Probably. <laughs> you read those things? First time they appear, a big splash panel with them grimacing at the, the, the reader, and big words, I am Mighty Mammal, or whatever their name is. It's always like that. That's where the code names come from. Oh, Magneto says some crazy stuff in early X-Men. It's really <laughs> He's also very buff, like a 70-year-old. Yeah. How long has he been 70? Uh, probably for the last 70 years. Alright. Probably <laughs> <laughs> the last 50 years. Last <laughs> so, 50 years, he's been 70. Yeah. Um, okay. Awesome. Uh, anything well, else I'll know? No, no, that's it. Alright, cool. In the future reviews versus, um, the review uh, that we'll do is uh, Nimona, which is a webcomic that I just discovered. I've been hearing so much about it, and I've still never quite checked it out. I, I love the artist. Yeah. Yeah. It's... It's just, it's just great. Great writing, great art. Um, kind of a simple style, but you can tell it's someone who knows how to draw because it, it's things that are done right, and it's not just... It's, you know, you can, done for a reason, everything in it. I just really liked it. Just it's recently wrapped up. Yeah, yeah. It's recently wrapped up, coming out in prints very soon uh, this year, so I thought it'd be a good time to go over it. And it's, uh, yeah, just new to me, which apparently has been along, around for a long time, but the basic premise is there's a... Um, bad guy and Nimona, this little shape-shifting girl, shows up at his lair one day and says, hey, I'm your sidekick. And despite his best efforts, she becomes his sidekick. She he doesn't really want a sidekick, but awesome. she uh, proves useful as a little shape-shifter. And, uh, you know, things go from there. It's pretty great. So, 
And that's that's going to be my, my first review for our reviews. Ooh, I'll look forward to that. Very cool. Yeah. Anything else? That's, I mean, stuff we've already talked about. I'm, <laughs> I'm living by uh, Marvel Unlimited, so I'm, you know, a few months behind in comics, which is a shame, because there's great stuff happening, but I'm, you know, slowly discovering it, but that's the pace that I'm keeping up with comics right now, so. Awesome. It's, it's a tough thing to keep up with. Mm-hmm. I, I keep up with them weekly, and it hurts me. Yeah. So. Yeah. So much. <laughs> <laughs> so, confession time for me. I'm the odd one out in the group. I... Not a comics guy. In fact, this last month, I got my very first comic that I can call my personal own. What is it? What is it? What is it? And it was actually the Loot Crate exclusive comic for Loot Crate. Oh, right, right, right. 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 As opposed to Nerd <sighs> And it was Batman Endgame... Um, I've only looked through it a little bit so far, but hey, I am now on the journey. So, so I don't, I don't want to be that guy. But I'm going to be that guy. Um, it's not technically a loot crate exclusive. More than anything, you got a loot crate exclusive variant cover. Ah, gotcha. Because um, I have that. I'm actually on uh, the part three of that same storyline right now. Oh, okay. And if you like Joker stories, uh, it's turning out to be probably one of the one of the better stories. Uh, you know we need more Joker stories. <laughs> hey, that of the family it was, that was really quite good. a story. I that was really good. We'll talk hey, later. <laughs> I didn't say it was great. <laughs> I don't know. I like I like Snyder and Capullo a lot. Oh, oh yeah, Snyder's good. Capullo's are beautiful. I love it. Steven, cool. You like Capullo's art? I have no complaints about Capullo's art. Okay. He's kind of like, kind of quiet and pensive. I, like, oh. I thought we were changing the subject, you guys. So Brady. So so. All right, and you know what? That actually, my first comic that leads me into my first thing that I've been into, and that's Loot Crate. Um, my wonderful wife. That's one of the things that she got me for Christmas was a subscription to Loot Crate, and it is awesome. Um, for those of you guys who aren't maybe in the know. Like me. Loot Crate is a subscription box. In other words, you subscribe for a certain amount of months, it's, um, and you usually pay one fee up front for, you know, let's say six months, and then every month you get a different box of random stuff. And so, this was my first month doing it. I had heard a lot about it, but uh, it included some really, really cool stuff. Um, it included that Batman comic, um, it included group socks, which is which are just awesome, because I mean they're socks with a little with a little dancing baby group on the side of them, and then it says on you know it says on the sock I am grouped, and I mean come on that's just awesome. Yeah. It needs to play music while you walk, every step. Oh baby, give me one more chance, <laughs> and I would stop walking. That's. Now that is... That's an exercise That's program. motivation for exercise right there. If they said we are socks if they walked in. Oh my gosh. We are socks. <laughs> and then another thing that included was a Funko Pop figure, which I love Funko Pop figures. Was it, was it, the, was it the dancing group? No, it was the Joker Batman. I oh. don't care anymore. So... <laughs> <laughs> it's basically a Joker version of Batman, and it's pretty awesome. Um, have you have you guys? Sorry, just to derail real fast. Have you guys seen the Sharknado Funko Pop? Yes, oh, it's oh my God, awesome, adorable. 
Uh, that's it. That's all I have to say. It's an adorable little Sharknado. You guys out in podcast land can't see the sneer that I'm making. <laughs> it's quality film. You're quality film. Thank you. That was my favorite cosplay at the last two Comic-Cons. Oh, the, the girl was, that was a Sharknado? The girl was a Sharknado. It was hilarious. She had, like, what was it, saran wrap wrapped around her? Yeah, like saran wrap and, like, uh... She had toy sharks mixed in with all of that. It's not, it was, like, obviously not cotton candy, but it was, like, just cotton, like, a sheet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something her. to keep it a tornado shape and not just, you know, wrapped right, wrap wrap. It was awesome. Right? Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Because, you know, we needed more Doctor Who's and more Deadpool's. <laughs> Wait a second. And more Harley Quinn's. Oh, gosh, yeah. Can never have too many Harley Quinns. Yes, you can. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to get a picture of all of the Doctor Who's and all of the Deadpool's and all of the Harley Quinns. Cause I, mean, yeah. I, I will say that that one time that I went to Comic Con cosplaying Harley Quinn went over pretty well. So. I'm sure. <laughs> Everybody's favorite variant Harley Quinn is the one with the ginger beard. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so, so I mean, a couple of other things that I was really into this month. Um, obviously, with Christmas, I got some new stuff. And one of them was a game for the PlayStation 4, Shadows of Mordor. Ooh. Which... controversy on that one. Press X to kiss your wife. That's that one, right? I hadn't heard about that. No. 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 I don't know. No, no carry on. on. Carry on. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, that I think was Call of Duty, and it was press X to pay respect. Oh, no, that was... Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, the... Hey. About the, that. The big controversy with the with Shadows of Mortar was the fact that um, the PR company for them was paying people to do positive reviews, and uh, a lot of people got found out about that. The, the ironic... I don't know if it's ironic, but the ironic part was that it was a good game that didn't need to pay for good reviews. Exactly. And, and I mean, it's, it's a great game. Um, for those of you who don't know, basically the way that it's set up um, is it's in the Lord of the Rings universe, but it takes place after the Lord of the Rings, and, Sar and Sauron's army is still out there, and the army is the absolute coolest part of it all. Um, the gameplay is, it's like if you take Assassin's Creed and you take Batman, the Batman Arkham games, and you combine them, and that's kind of what the gameplay is like. So it, it has a lot of stealth, it has a lot of parkour, but the coolest part about it is you have all these different lieutenants in the army. And if one of them kills you, then they get stronger, and they might even get a promotion in the army. And so, but, you know, if you kill someone, or then, obviously, they might come back a little bit later, but less powerful. Um, and it's, it's actually pretty cool because there's, like, these political intrigue in the orc camps. Like, behind the scenes. Like, you can help one orc overthrow another orc. And each of these different lieutenants, they have their different... They have their different um, weaknesses and strengths. And, you know, if they kill you, then they might lose one of their weaknesses. And so, like, one might be... They're really afraid of these giant tiger-like things that you can... That you can get on and ride. And so, you know, you want to go after them with that. And... You know, you can always interrogate different little peons to try to get more information. And that whole system is really the coolest part of it. I mean, I have to say, I haven't done much in the story itself. Because I'm having too much fun 
going around finding random lieutenants and killing them. It's are just you, a blast. Are you just are you just headhunting lieutenants at this point? Pretty much. <laughs> and you know you have these wraith magical powers too, and so you know as a little bit of progression that way. And I'm getting to the point where everyone's too hard because I haven't done enough of the story mode. <laughs> And so I need to get back into that a little bit. But um, definitely Shadows of Mordor is one of the things that I absolutely loved this month. Nice. Um, it's been a lot of fun. And then I'll say the other thing that I have just gotten into is Hearthstone. Oh, Hearthstone. I just got into that. I have it on my, on my tablet. I have no idea what that is. Please tell me more. So, uh, <laughs> Hearthstone is... the audience's avatar at this point. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Hearthstone? You're the avatar, master of all four podcasts? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I can control them all. Like other podcasts, which can only control their own. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. Podbender, right. <laughs> all right, so Hearthstone is... It's based on the world of Warcraft, and I mean that as in the war overarching world of Warcraft and not necessarily just the MMO, because um, I realized well, the, halfway through that. But anyway. Well, well to kind of to, to add to that, like, not just like the in-game lore, but also like the community lore about it, because that... Because I'll well, keep going and I'll... I'll, I'll <laughs> again. But anyway, so, so, so it's basically... The world of Warcraft. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it's... It's a uh, it's a video game, but it's a card game, and it's actually really simple, but it's also extremely in depth. I mean, it's it's basically what imagine Magic the Gathering before it jumps the shark. When was that exactly? <laughs> Probably like the early nineties. Probably like the week after release. Yeah, seriously. I was, gonna say, I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I have to jump the shark card. It's overpowered. <laughs> But, I mean, it, it's, it's a lot of fun, and it's just really, really cool how you can do these different, these different abilities and how, how well thought out it all is. Plus, it's all in there with just this level of humor that makes everything better. And, like, the cards are all well animated, and it, it's a lot of fun. And so I would definitely recommend it to anyone out there. And if you ever play against me randomly, you'll probably beat me because I suck, but part, I'm getting a little bit better. Part part of the funny thing is like there are cards that are like that are based on things that have happened in the real world on the world of Warcraft, if that makes sense. So there's char there's a character card for Leroy Jenkins. And <laughs> when you use it, he yells, Leroy Jenkins and then he attacks and he's still animation. And then you probably lose five turns later. Um, <laughs> go too well for Leroy if I remember that. Either. No, no, no. But uh, and that's actually one of the things I love about it: how animated it is. Because you'll, it, I, I, I started playing it with the audio on because at first I was like, "This is a card game; I don't need audio." But then I started l listening to it, and it's really, it's really fun how when you attack the the characters will yell stuff out. Like uh, I think it's the orcs; they will yell for the horde as they attack and things like that. It's just. There is banter between like some of the characters in the practice mode. So rather than just a simple card game or whatever, they kind of plus the experience. They, they've kind of. taken the whole concept of taking a card game and making it digital to another level. Where like the Pokemon TCG or even Magic the Gathering Online are still just the same game digital. This one takes it a step further, animates it. It's a different experience. You, I think if they tried to make this into an actual physical card game... 
I don't think I could play that because I'm so I'm so enamored with its style and humor and definitely, personality. Definitely, they lose out because they wouldn't have those animations yes. and those little touches that make it mm-hmm. more fun. Cool. But right now, Hearthstone is available on PC. It's available on tablets, um, both iPhone and Android tablets, and they're working on getting it released on just phones as well. And so, it's free. I r- highly recommend picking it up. And then you won't be able to put it back down. It's a lot of fun. Alright, so I say let's go ahead and we'll take a little bit of a break. And when we come back, we will have Reviews versus 2014 with our top five list. He is Legion for he is many. (laughs) (laughs) And we are all that one guy. (laughs) <laughs> all right well anyway we are back folks um, all right before we start getting into our top fives i do want to talk to you guys a little bit about what our goals are with reviews versus the world i mean where is where is it that we are going with this um where is carmen san diego where in the world is carmen san diego um <laughs> anyway um so our, our goal with Reviews vs. the World is we want to make sure that we can get some positivity out there in the review world. I mean, there are things that we love and that we're passionate about. We understand that they're not perfect. We're going to let you know about those imperfections. But we want to make sure that you guys know why it is that things rock. I mean, what what is awesome about it? And so you will have we will have weekly reviews that you will see. Um, both on our YouTube channel as well as updated on our website, reviewsversusthewebsite.com. And, you know, we'll have it also on Facebook. Anywhere that we can get a video and shove it in your face, it, we're going to shove it in your face. I will burn a DVD and punch you with it attached to my fist. I was going to gently offer it on a silver tray because I don't want to punch you, but... Basically, our opinions are impeccable and you should all emulate them. <laughs> But not your video games, because that's illegal. <laughs> ahead, ahead, ahead. <laughs> but anyway, so let's get into our top five lists. Um, and I think that we should do this. You know, just everybody will go down our list with our number five. And this can be from, like I said earlier in the podcast, this is going to be from absolutely anything out there in geekdom. Things that came out that we really just latched onto and enjoyed. And so let's start with, well, I should go, and we'll start with John this time. Well, I wanted to start with Interstellar, which I stupidly assumed that we had all seen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. So, my first recommendation from uh, 2014 uh, would be uh, to see Interstellar. Now that it's 2015, catch up, everybody. It was really good. (laughs) Sell me on it. So... As you may have heard, it was written and directed by Christopher Nolan. I've never heard of this man before. Well, he is great. (laughs) Let's go back to Doodlebug and following, and then we'll move on to Memento, do a little Batman, do a little Inception, do a little Prestige. I can't think think of the director seriously to put the man in the bat suit. Let me just tell you to avoid this man named Joel Schumacher. (laughs) But Interstellar, um, also written by Jonathan Nolan, who's Christopher Nolan's brother, they collaborate often. Um, 
as you've come to expect with Christopher Nolan, uh, I think, solid performances throughout. I did not dislike Anne Hathaway in this movie. Oh, actually, yeah. Anne Hathaway is good. Yeah? I think Anne Hathaway is good. I, I uh, have a few movies where I um, enjoy her, but sometimes her voice kind of bugs me. I, uh, I say that, you know, me personally, not having any um, acting chops or... Um, Academy Awards on the shelf, like she does. <laughs> no, no, but I did, I did like Get Smart. I did like uh, Les Mis, and I like her in this. But you're on a podcast, so clearly you have some sort of credentials. Of oh yeah, of course, because they don't just give these podcasts to anybody, right? Anne Hathaway, great job. So maybe I will change my opinion about her. I, if it keeps, if she keeps this up, then sure. I'll just say that her cat moment was now Eartha Kitt. Yeah. I'm trying to focus on things that she does well. Um, <laughs> this movie, things that she does well. Michael Caine made me cry. Wonderful performance. Not surprising because it's Michael Caine in a, uh, you know, uh, Christopher Nolan movie, which is, I think, one of the things that he does also is put Michael Caine in his movies. But if you had the choice, wouldn't you? I mean, it's Michael Caine. Um, if you've seen 2001 A Space Odyssey, it feels kind of like that, only it's uh, entertaining. I did, not, <laughs> I did not enjoy 2001 A Space Odyssey. To be fair, I don't think enjoying 2001 Space Odyssey is the point. I think you're supposed to appreciate it. I think you're supposed to study it as an achievement in film. Stupid me, I thought that, you know, there would be some entertainment involved. Um, entertainment in that movie? No. I can't allow you to do that. Clearly. <laughs> oh. Um... <laughs> But, but again, that's another thing. Maybe I just need to study it more and appreciate it more. And I was coming late to the party. We're moving on. So um, <laughs> there are robots in this movie. And with giving its feel to 2001, I thought they would turn bad. I'll give you a little spoiler. They don't. So don't worry about <laughs> <laughs> um, It's really well made. It's beautifully shot. Um, very compelling. I had to keep telling myself it's a film, it's a film, it's a film, because it had a very you know real feel to it. Basic premise is that there is blight, there is drought, there is you know famine, whatever is causing a food shortage in the world, and that's the basic plight of the world. And, and and everyone is on board with just trying to keep the population fed. And um, through a series of events, um, Matthew McConaughey and his daughter discover na an underground facility that NASA is still running. And there's a, there's a mission in place to find new worlds for them. They've discovered a wormhole outside of Saturn that can take them to another galaxy. And they've sent, um, they've sent off spaceships, and so there's a plan to um, go and see if there's anywhere for us to settle. And I, I can't say any more without giving away um, the movie and, and ruining wonderful moments of discovery. It's really awesome, but it's... Uh, it's really great. There's a cameo by a very famous actor that's... Uh, not a cameo, sorry. A role. He's an actual role um, a very famous actor that I didn't even know he was in. Um, and it's great. You've um, already told me more than any other trailers ever have. I've ruined it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, that's great. I, um, I, just, I just thought it was Matthew McConaughey goes in space. It. What, I mean, he does that. <laughs> does does he fly a Lincoln in space? It's not a Lincoln. Um, I, I think it was uh, made in America, this spaceship. I don't know. 
Um, but as, you know, one of the latest films in the McConaissance or the McConaughey or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those, aren't, those aren't my jokes. Those are someone else's jokes. I don't remember where I heard them. But Thank you, someone else. Yeah, Thank someone you. else. High five. Um, it, he does a great job. And, you know, I'm kind of like, eh, Matthew McConaughey, take him or leave him. He's wonderful in this. And uh, it makes me want to go watch Mud and other movies that he's in where he's uh, been praised for his acting prowess because... The last time I saw him in a movie was, uh, before this, was, I think, uh, ten, or, uh, How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days, which oh. I was dating my wife at the time, and she picked the movie, but she fell asleep first, and fell asleep on me, and I couldn't move to change the movie to something good, because uh, it would have woken her up, and she would have wanted to keep watching. So, um, go see Interstellar. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Don't, see, don't see How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. <laughs> Alright, awesome. Aldo, you're number five. Uh, I mean, I'm not prepared. I thought we were going the other way. Flip your list upside down. Go. So my, I don't have a list. I just have categories. I'm just going to go from the top of my list. Which is exactly what you said to do. Is it? Okay. I want, so my number, number number five, I guess, in um, no particular order, is an anime called Your Light in April. And I talked about <sighs> I was going to try to catch an episode of this before we met today, and I didn't. Okay, so it's it's uh, once again it's kind of a high school anime. So all the all the characters in it are fourteen, um, as they always are in anime. As they always are. They always and the always <laughs> and the always there are there and the eyeball budget is off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guess? Gimply clad, they all have no. swords. No, no, no. no. So here's so here's, here's the premise. It's uh, it's it's about this kid named uh, Kosei, who when he was like a little little kid, like ten eight years old, his mother was training him to become a concert uh, pianist, and he became really good at it, and he was offered a chance to like start traveling the world, but his mother passed away, um, but she was so dead set on this happening that she would beat him and leave him bruised when he went to go to these concerts, um, he would not have. Uh, social life because he was kept uh, inside the house practicing all this time. Um, so it deals with his mom having passed away and once she passed away he gained like a trauma where he can't hear the music of uh, concert pieces anymore. So when he plays the piano and he tries to do a concert piece it sounds muted, he kind of loses color and everything like that. Um, so, the, so the show starts off with this girl that kind of moves into the town and she is a concert violinist and she kind of inspires him to want to pick up uh, music again and she forces him into it by making him her accompanist um, when they do concerts and things but he's he's so traumatized that he just when he plays it sounds the way they represent it in the show they show him like at the bottom of the ocean on this piano just playing and he can't hear the music and he just starts banging on the keys, trying to hear the music as much as he can. And then they cut to you know the real world and the audience, and you hear how terribly he is playing. Um, but it is—it's actually just really beautifully well drawn. Um, the music is fantastic. I'm not—I don't think this is something I would have read ever. I think I maybe would have checked out the first couple of chapters, and I would have been like, "Well, I don't know what all these music pieces sound like. I would have just given up." Um, but it's very, very nice. There's not a lot of anime is uh, notorious for having fan service, 
So you usually have the big breasts and panty shots and that type of thing. Even with 14-year-old girls. Um, Almost this, especially with 14-year-old girls. Yeah. <laughs> in, in this particular series, you don't get... There is none of that. This is, a, this is a series, this is an anime that does take itself seriously. And it is, uh, is very, very nice. I'm really enjoying it. It's uh, halfway through its run right now. But I still consider it uh, probably one of the best animes of the year. You know, I gotta say, what gets me into anime is sometimes the uh, the way that they're willing to tackle subjects that you would never see in an American cartoon. No. Like, you would never see an American cartoon about a concert pianist, 14-year-old boy. Um, like, you just don't see that. No. So, yeah, this is solely based on all those recommendations. This is one I'm probably going to have to check out. Yep. Very cool. Brady, you're a musician. You're a musician. You're a musician. <laughs> you're a musician. I'm a music guy. Although, I don't think you know how words work. That was a word that is not a word. The word that you said earlier that was not a word was actually a word. Oh, I know English. <laughs> I'm just glad I didn't fumble the word pianist too badly, uh, you know. <laughs> hey, Brady, you know what you are. <laughs> Anyways, you should check it out since you have a yeah. pressure roll trial thing. It's very cool. Yeah, and, and definitely, uh, going back to Loot Crate, that was one of the things that came with my Loot Crate. Was, uh, um, was a free month of Crunchyroll. I, I think we should point out that Loot Crate is not actually a sponsor. But if you want Yet. to. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> That's that's my thing. That's my number five. But very cool. I mean, I, I I've been looking for ways to get into anime. I've i tried Death Note. I really liked it. Um, I've started Cowboy Bebop about five times since the last time that we talked. <laughs> haven't haven't you, been able to get into you it. You have yet. to get past the first four episodes. You have to get past those first four episodes. You should almost just skip the first four episodes. Do that. Come back and watch them later. <laughs> that's the gateway anime, right? Yeah. The first episode of Cowboy Bebop I ever saw was the last episode of Cowboy Bebop. Oh, hey, that's a good way to start. Yeah, I know. You know what I did that with? Evangelion. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> that was a terrible way to start a series. Yeah. I started Lost that way. <laughs> <laughs> so you weren't disappointed. I was going to say, it only goes up from there. <laughs> Man. Well, then I went back and watched the first episode, and it's like, oh, well, he closed his eyes, now he opens his eyes. So it's really a time limit, and it made so much more sense. <sighs> I just, I watched wow. the finale of Brady, <laughs> and I just kept being that guy who was in the back of the room like, Hey, where's Walt? Hey, where's Walt? Where's Walt? <laughs> the whole finale. Walt! It never stopped being funny to me. I, I just, <laughs> He's cooking meth. <laughs> he did. Walter? Oh, uh, that's what happened to him. Uh, hey, uh, 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 I see what you did. He there. grew up in the brain, Cranston. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was put into... Witness protection, and he became a father of family. I, I want to put it this way: If Michael Jackson can do it, then oh my gosh! Hey. All right, hey, Stephen, forward. what's your number five? I'm going to go forward with my number five, <laughs> um, and I'm cheating just a little bit because what I'm going to talk about was a uh, comic series, a Japanese comic series. So, you mean the manga. word is manga, but it's comic. That's what it means. Anyway, this was a series that was completed back in 2008, but it, starting in 2014, uh, V's signature, Viz signature, V-I-Z, I don't know how to pronounce it. Viz. Viz signature has started putting out these very handsome collections of Monster. Monster is a manga by Naoki Urasawa, who is probably one of my favorite cartoonists I've ever seen. Um... He draws in a style that's very distinctly Japanese. 
Like, you can tell that this is a man who comes from Japan and has the, the uh, influence of the Japanese artists that came behind him. And yet, it does not look like your stereotypical Japanese artwork. There are no, like, enormous eyes. People have facial features that are distinctive from each other. Um, in fact, the bulk of the series so far, I've not actually read the whole thing, takes place in Germany. And there's a character who is Japanese, and a character who is German, and they're just different nationalities. And you can tell the difference in the artwork. They are drawn in a way that fits their personality. It's obviously cartoonish. There are characters with noses that are larger than the human neck could actually support. And yet, it looks amazing. Um, but it's not just about it's not just about the looks. Um, this is also one of the most compelling stories I've ever read in the comic. Uh, the opening chapter tells the story of this uh, Japanese surgeon who is uh, practicing now in Germany. His name is uh, Dr. Kenzo Tenma. Um, one night he's faced with the decision of going in and performing delicate surgery on this small child who was brought in, or interrupting that surgery to go and do an operation on the mayor of the town, uh, who was brought in after the fact. Uh, he chooses to go and do the surgery on the child first. The mayor dies on the operating table, and this completely destroys Dr. Tenma's career. Um, he is blacklisted, no other hospital will hire him. He can continue to work at the hospital where he's at, but he is no longer going to be promoted. Uh, his, he loses his fiance as a result of this. His life is almost completely destroyed, but he still feels that he made the right choice. Until it turns out that the child is actually a serial killer. <laughs> oh, them serial killers. The bulk of the series uh, focuses on Dr. Tenma hunting down the boy, uh, who is now, by the, by the time that the series begins in earnest, grown into a young adult, um, who is going around Europe killing people. And there's a lot of tension, a lot of drama, a lot of suspense. Uh, I've read a couple of different series by Urasawa, and he is a master of, of suspenseful storytelling. So there's, again, the series is finished. I don't know how it ends yet, but they're in the middle of, of publishing these very handsome collections. Um, so it, it's just enough. It's gone looking. They, they, they look nice guys. It's, it's the Matthew McConaughey of modern <laughs> Yeah, so there's never really been a better time to, to look into this series, and uh, I've been collecting them as they come out. Volume three comes out this month, in fact. Um, so the story. So volume three comes out. Is this, you said the story is finished, and they're just putting them in these collections. Now? Yes. So if you were really anxious, you could go and get the ugly versions. But <laughs> these handsome, handsome, handsome these handsome versions are available at your local Barnes and Noble. That's well, why settle for Steve Buscemi when you can have Matthew McConaughey? Actually, they've actually been re-releasing the uh, the Evangelion uh, manga in that same format, where they've been collecting three of the regular books in those big, nicer, handsome books, and it's been uh, it's been quite a, quite a feast. So yes, that would be my recommendation. Would be the signature edition of Monster by these. Well, by not by Urasawa, and published and distributed by these. Your face. Oh. <laughs> All right. So my number five is actually going to be Nathan for you. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Nathan Fillion, and I was like, oh, right. <laughs> He's my number one. I totally <laughs> recommend Nathan Fillion. Tell us about Nathan for you. Nathan for you is it's it's a show where it's this completely deadpan comedian. He's absolutely hilarious because 
you know, I, I've heard comedy explained that comedy can be either, you know, somebody acting ridiculous in a normal situation, or it can be act, somebody acting very serious and normal in a ridiculous situation. And Nathan for you is definitely a case of the latter. So, it's, he, he's very deadpan, but what he does is he goes around to these, to local businesses, and that are failing, or, you know, that are looking to have their business rejuvenated, and he tells them that he has ideas for them. Now, of course, these ideas are absolutely horrible, but he <laughs> takes them very seriously, and most of the time, he gets them on board. So, an example, that maybe you actually saw something in the news about this, um, about a year ago. And it turns out that it was for his show. So there was a failing, a failing coffee house in California who just felt like they, they felt like they have the best coffee out there, but that they just couldn't, they just couldn't deal with the Starbucks name. You know, they can't compete with that. I mean, everyone thinks Starbucks coffee. And so, so Nathan goes up to him with the idea of, all right, well, here's what we do. We call this company, we rebrand it as Dumb Starbucks. So basically have everything like Starbucks, but put the word dumb in front of it. And that way, it, it's, this business is a parody. And so, and so he goes through a lot of different, a lot of different things where, you know, he talks to different lawyers, you know, makes sure that he gets all the legalese right. And so, like, a couple of things that he has to do is he has to prove that, that this is an artistic expression instead of solely a business. And so, like, he puts on an art show that's just absolutely ridiculous because, it, you know, it's basically just taking, like, McDonald's and then changing the thought a little bit and having Ronald McDonald stabbing someone. And so it's trying to make a statement as parody art. Um, to show that he's a parody artist, and so he goes, so he goes through, the, the guy who owns the coffee house ends up not wanting to do it, but, you know, the, Nathan's already in this, so he decides, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and do it, I'm going to put out this dumb Starbucks, and he did, and it, it was an actual business that was out there, and it shows him hiring his employees and everything like that. And it made national headlines, because technically, he could have it. Well, except for the fact that he never got permits to serve food, so the FDA kind of, you know, shut him down. But, but I, that, that's just an example of the hilarity that you find in this show. And it's, it's, um, it airs on Comedy Central. Um, right now, if you have Amazon Prime Instant Video, it's available on there for the first two seasons. I highly recommend it. It is hilarious. Wow. It, it's like, imagine the, the awkward humor that you're used to seeing in The Office, but in, like, real life, where it's, it's actually doing harm. Exactly. I mean, these, these people, these are real people. These are real businesses. These are not actors that he's hired. These are real lives that this man is destroying. He must be stopped. He must be stopped after another few seasons. <laughs> Gosh. I have a feeling this. If, if someone will stop. If it keeps going like that. Alright, number fours. Um, before I get into my number fours, I, 
my my top five is all movies from 2014 that I enjoyed, um, and I think that Interstellar stands out as a you know an original film. It's very great, and we see too many reboots, sequels, and and continuations of franchises nowadays. And I think that you know more originality in cinema is a good thing. Having said that, all the rest of my top five are all sequels. Because <laughs> <laughs> what did I enjoy the most in the theaters? Well. <laughs> and so I say, oh, dang it, I want to see a good original film, and I want to see a new filmmaker come out of nowhere and hit us with a movie we haven't seen before and make us feel things we haven't seen before. And then I'm like, oh, the Marvel movies are really good. <laughs> um, so I'm part of the problem. But there you go. Um, everybody else, everybody should just step up. Yeah, yeah. Everybody who has original ideas should step up. But yeah, I think that we're going to see comic book movies and sequels and remakes for a while now. Um, and I'm okay with that. What's the joke? That there's a Jurassic Park movie coming out, there's a Terminator movie coming out, there's a Star Wars movie coming out, so we're just, you know... An Avengers movie coming out. Yeah. What year are we in? Yeah. <laughs> so, all over again. My number four is uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Which, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, very confusing. Return of the Vengeance of the Shadow of the Planet of the Apes. Arsu. <laughs> the new monkey movie is what we're going to talk about. <laughs> it's the new one, it's got the monkeys. Um, I, I think this brings up something that's been brought up before, is um, <clears throat> when you have motion capture, which, as someone who's interested in animation, it's a very fine line, because um, I, I think that... Uh, Polar Express and Adventures of Tintin, that Uncanny Valley like awful, awful yeah. animation where they just look like dead dolls. That like you know the dolls in uh, the new Charlie and the Chocolate Factory that kind of melt in, in, in the front of the factory. <laughs> That's what that kind of stuff looks like to me. It's just stop, Robert Zemeckis, just stop. Remember when you made Back to the Future? <laughs> Can't you just do stuff like that? So, um, but then the, then you get something like this. I think that the the best parts of this movie, uh, it, like it goes for a long, long time with subtitles, with the apes communicating with sign language, and it's really well done. And Andy Serkis and the team that does the motion capture, I know that some of it is him, a lot of it is him, most of it is him, but there are sometimes when they, you know, will do a different facial performance or do something slightly different. So I think that the, the argument is, does this deserve an acting nod? I think that if you were to give it to Andy Serkis and the head of the, you know, animation team, because that's, you know, who's putting the meat on the skeleton, I don't know, they, they, they need to be involved in the accolades that come along with it, because it's an amazing performance. There are a lot of people responsible for the amazing performance, so it gets kind of tricky in an acting category. <laughs> um, just a great movie, and, and I could care less about Planet of the Apes, and I loved it. I think the old ones are kind of hokey, they have their place. You know, I love when they're they're they joke about them on The Simpsons. Get your hands off me, you dirty ape! So like that kind of thing, I think you have to appreciate what they are and their their place in in pop culture, nerd culture, whatever. Um, but I liked these two new movies. I did not like the two thousand one Mark Wahlberg one. Um, I went to go see it in the theater by myself. Should have been a warning to me that nobody wanted to see it with me. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 it's Tim Burton. They spent a whole ton of money on it. It's not going to be bad. Come on, look at this. It looks really great. You know, I thought the production value could save it. Nope, it was bad. I, I like how Paul Giamatti didn't need makeup to be the orangutan. Yes. Oh my gosh. 
I like Paul Giamatti. You should have. <laughs> well, he was the rhino. That's oh. right. Okay, that's a that's a mark against him. But 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 in Planet of the or Dawn of the Planet of the Rise of the Return of the Apes Two Electric Boogaloo, whatever they say. <laughs> uh, the it, I didn't even ask. Have you guys all seen it? Yeah. yeah. No. 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 Yeah. No. What? What? No. I've not seen this. No. I don't remember. No. Okay. Oh, I. I. I it's love the it. one with the monkeys in the forest. They're in the forest oh, this time. Oh, they're in the forest this time. And they get guns and fight humans. It's like Predator with monkeys. Sure. We'll we'll go with that. There's. Obviously, I have not seen this. So the humanity is has all but disappeared. They're in small groups all over the globe because of this virus that was spread. And I think they did it in a cool way, showing kind of, at the end of the credits of the last movie, the beginning of this movie, how it spread, um, and when kind of what's happening without doing a whole lot of, of backstory. Um, so we have these, this, this ape population, intelligent apes, thriving in the forest, and the humans need to get into that area to get a hydroelectric plant working so that they can kind of start to regrow and return to normal life because they're living on the fringes and, uh, you know, the, the world is overgrown cities and they have, you know, uh, kind of just the bare essentials at this point. And um, it's, you know, the apes are the bad guys, but the humans are the bad guys. And you root for the apes, but you want the humans to win because you're human and it goes back and forth. And it's just really compelling and um, uh, really great to watch. I, I don't know. Uh, keep making good sequels and I'll keep seeing them, I guess. I'm stuck in the trap. That's great. <laughs> Alright, I'll level four. Yeah, so my number four is a uh, video game called Pokemans. Uh, Earth. I'm just kidding. Oh, it's uh, Pokemon uh, Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. Okay, um, is it worth getting these? Uh, yes, because there's such a big update from like 10, almost 15 years ago from when they were on the Game Boy Advance. And all the online internet connectivity is just excellent. Um, because the secret bases that were introduced back in the Game Boy... Um, they're used as street passes, so when you put your 3DS in a sleep mode and you walk by people and they also have the game, it transfers your little secret base so they can go into it and they can be like, oh my gosh, look, it's a little cave, and somebody lives in here, yeah. Um, but just all the updates, the fact that there's over 700 new, not over 700, there's 700 total new Pokemon, or Pokemon total, yes. Um, <laughs> I understand that you have to catch them all. Every single one of them. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, if you want to be the very best, like no the best there ever was. One um, of the best theme songs <laughs> of any cartoon. It's a karaoke. Putting it out there. <laughs> Go on. It's a karaoke essential. Um, oh, man. No, but this is kind of going off of what you were saying. Uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of new content, per se, in, vi in video games as well. I mean, as cool as uh, Shadows of Mordor is, it is just another you know, kind of entry in the Lord of the Rings franchise. This is yet another entry in the Pokemon franchise. And a remake of a game that was already part of the Pokemon franchise. Um, but it updates it with just new graphics, uh, new features, and it just gives me tons of hours of fun that I haven't had in a while with a Pokemon game. Could you jump in as someone who's not familiar with yes. it? Or in fact as someone who hated it when they were in high school and had younger siblings who were... Uh really into Pokemon? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> some guy I know... That was an obvious specific hypothetical situation. <laughs> so if, if I were to buy a po You know, I haven't played a Pokemon in years. Um, if I were to buy a Pokemon on 3DS, is this the one that you would recommend? Oh, yeah. 
This, um, actually, just both both of the games that are on the 3DS, I would recommend either. Um, X and Y are a little bit better for beginners who are just entering the the whole thing, you know, uh, brand new, or if you just haven't been into it for like the last ten years. I would recommend that one because it eases you into the mechanics. That makes everything a little easier. This one just kind of assumes that you already know what's up because it's a remake and it goes like you, you know. Um, so it is, this one hits the ground running a little bit faster than the other one. Um, cool. But they're both they're both just really good entries. Neither of them will leave you going like, wait, what am I doing? Awesome. All right, Stephen. My number four is an album, which is really kind of a strange selection for me because I'm not a music person. Oh, I thought you meant like a photo album. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> it was my uh, 2014 trip to Disneyland, which did not happen. It was basically just me running through the Disney store with my iPad and my camera. Um, no, uh, I I don't listen to a lot of music really. I like I'll play the radio when I'm driving around. I have maybe 150 songs in my iTunes account, maybe. And that's because I bought a lot of classical albums. Um, however, there, there's a musician who uh, rose to prominence a couple years ago uh, because she was the joint vocalist on one of the biggest tracks of the year. Um, that was Somebody That I Used to Know by Godier and Kimbra. Kimbra put out a new album in 2014 called The Golden Echo. And it is kind of fantastic. Um... She, if you've never heard Kimbra's solo stuff, she kind of fills the same sort of uh, niche that singers like Imogene Heap and Feist do. So she's got this very uh, sort of indie sound. She's got some pretty uh, strong, I would say that there are some uh, sort of techno influences, not necessarily in like the drum and bass sort of things, but just that there's, there's a real sort of synthesizer mechanical sound to a lot of her music. Um, especially in the Golden Echo. Um, I actually went and saw Kimbra live at, in the venue here in Salt Lake City, which is, uh, for those of you who know, kind of a terrible venue. Uh, <laughs> but it was an no. awesome performance, and she just struts out on stage wearing a dress that's made out of, like, tinfoil and tulle. It's the strangest-looking thing I've ever seen, and completely owns it. There's a particular track called Goldmine, um, which is just a repeated refrain, I've got a gold mine, it's all mine, nobody can touch this gold of mine. And it was, it was honestly this powerful anthem. And so it's one of the songs that I listen to on repeat over and over again. I'd also recommend a uh, track, 90s Music, um, which is, does not actually sound like 90s music, so I was initially tempted to just hate it because I want more Backstreet Boys in my life. Come back tour. <laughs> but at the same time, the song isn't really about 90s music as much as it is about this music that sort of captures your imagination at a certain point in your life, and then when you come back to that music later and try to recapture those same feelings, you find that you can't because you've moved on. This is my experience with the band Savage Garden. <laughs> don't, don't judge me. <laughs> truly, do you love them truly, madly, deeply? <laughs> Oh, that's great. Ooh, I want them. <laughs> I don't know if I need them, but ooh, I'm dying to find out. Uh, so yeah, The Golden Echo was an amazing album. Uh, Kimber is a fantastic artist to keep an eye on. Um, and yeah, it was it was one of the, the best things I encountered in 2014. Number Very four, cool. in fact. Would you cut, so would you classify as an indie pop kind of? Indie pop. Okay. Let's see how iTunes classifies her. Because we can trust them. Yeah. I trust Apple. 
I made a Japanese iTunes account last night to download some music from Japan. <laughs> what? <laughs> Way to go, all of them. That was what I was doing at 5 in the morning. <laughs> I thought you were trying to stay on awesome. anime. I downloaded anime soundtracks. <laughs> yeah, they just classify her as pop. Oh, okay. Oh, Alright, my number four is Bob's Burgers. <laughs> uh... Now, if you have not watched this show, you have to understand a few things about me. You know, I... I am a huge fan of The Simpsons. And I mean... Huge fan. In a day and age where buying DVD sets seems almost worthless, I still buy The Simpsons DVD sets. I think it says more about you than The Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> so, with that said, I can unequivocally... How do you say that word? I, I can definitely say... You're just all those... <laughs> yeah, I'm just all those... <laughs> We're gonna, that was bad. Everyone, we're gonna we're gonna learn our words real good. <laughs> but I, I can definitely say that Bob's Burgers is by far the best comedy cartoon currently on the air. Agreed. It is so funny and clever, and just each of these characters. Um, first of all, you, you have the dad um, who is played by Johnny Benjamin. Who, if if you have seen, you would recognize his voice immediately as soon as you hear it. He's Archer. Yeah, if, if you've seen Archer, um, going back to even he had home movies. Oh, wow. Um, oh, wow, that's going back. Yeah, that's, that's going back. way back. So he, he's been doing a lot of voice acting for a long time. And In fact, he he had a Comedy Central show a couple of years ago that I really like called um, Johnny Benjamin Has Been, which is so funny. And actually, the uh, the guy, Nathan, for, from Nathan For You, was in Johnny Benjamin Has Been. But anyway, so it's kind of bacon! <laughs> Isn't it H. John Benjamin? Uh, it might be H. John Benjamin. But whatever. He's great. Yeah. He's great. Mr. But anyway, Benjamin. so so he so he plays Bob, who is the owner of a burger establishment. Amazing, you know. Bob's burgers, he owns a burger place. And then um and he has a wife who's very Eccentric. She sings a lot of what she does very, very badly. The gravy boat. It's the gravy boat. I just love it oh, so so badly. But you know, the the real stars are actually their kids. Yeah. Um. Who the, the oldest one is Tina, who is just kind of awkward. I'm not sure who the actor is that plays her, but it's a a, a male comedian who does this deadpan voice. I think her first line in the series is, my crotch is itchy, and it just goes downhill from there. She's just she an awkward just... teen, and just, like, really trying to, like, you know, be cool, be yourself, and it's just so weird and awkward, but so funny to watch. Oh, so funny to watch. And then, then you have Gene, who's played by Eugene Merman. Um, Al, Gene is, he likes to kind of yell everything that he says. In the most inappropriate places, and you know, a, an example of one of the things that he does from the very first episode, he's very obsessed with writing his own music, which will include synthesized fart noises. I mean, that that just gives you kind of an idea of who Gene is. And then you have Louise, who's you know the youngest, and she's this little girl who is seriously psychotic. She wears this, she wears these bunny, this bunny ears hat. 
that she will never, ever, 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 ever take off. Um, and she's played by Kristen Schaal, who is one of my favorite comedians out there right now. She pops up in a lot of things and is always... She's pretty funny. Yeah, she's my favorite character. If, if you've seen Flight of the Concords, she plays Mel. Um, she plays um, <sighs> Hazel. What's her name in Thirty Rock? Yeah. Um, she's she's in a lot of different things. She's very awkward looking, and she has the perfect voice for it. But just the entire cast working together works so well. Now, one thing that I will say is, when you start watching it, you will be turned off by the animation at first. Get over it. Yeah. <laughs> that was a message to Steven. <laughs> that was a message to Steven. That was a message yeah. to John. That was a message to my wife. I avoided it for a long time because I was like, no, it looks stupid. It's like poorly animated. Why would I want to watch that? Uh, I, oh, I, I've cried laughing more during that show maybe than others. I, I don't even know. I, I just, I will warn you though, if you leave it on, on your laptop in the other room, I went to bed, and then all of a sudden, at 3 in the morning, the laptop decided to start playing Bob's Burgers. <laughs> and Bob's Burgers, specifically Kristen Shaw saying anything at 3 in the morning when you're dead asleep, sounds like a domestic disturbance and someone's getting killed next door. Now, it was the end of the very hilarious Nude Beach episode. Oh, gosh. I, oh, my gosh. It was just a riot. And so, 3 in the morning, Kristen Shaw is not the time to, you know, that's not what you want for your snooze alarm. But... It's a hilarious show, and I love it. And get over get over the bad animation because it kind of works for it, and it gets better. Mm -hmm. I don't think. Yeah, it, 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 it gets it better, works. and it, it fits the style. You realize they they spoof movies every now and again. Um, you, you realize that there is nobody that is attractive in this world. Nope, <laughs> nobody at all. It's just like real life or this podcast. Oh. All right, we're on to number threes. Let's hurry it along. So, um, Days of Future Past, X-Men Days of Future Past, simply for, it was, it was very entertaining. I, I think that there are films and there are movies, and films are, are, are like groundbreaking, and they show the craft of well, what you can do in the cinema and all of this, and movies, you know, you've got to be entertained, and I, I appreciate film, and I need to learn more about film, and I'd like to learn more about film, and I think that, you know, everyone should have an understanding of that, but I, I think that if your movie doesn't entertain then you've kind of missed part of the point. And maybe some people find things entertaining that I don't. But um, anyway, X-Men, X-Men are great. Um, this movie gets it back on track for the franchise. This, um, this movie was groundbreaking because it was a reboot and a sequel at the same time. It was. <laughs> and an adaptation of a comic book. And, and, um, anything that can, you know, get rid of Halle Berry showboating and Brett Ratner in general... It's, it's good in my it's good in my and it it somebody described it as it just being a middle finger to to <laughs> the last stand and the first Wolverine movie. <laughs> I didn't mind the second like just the Wolverine where he goes to Japan. Then I read the Chris Claremont Frank Miller comic book and I was like, they missed the boat on that movie. It could have been better. But still, not bad. Guys, we live in an extremely backwards world when the best part of your movie. Is Quicksilver? 
Who cares about Quicksilver? Definite scene stealer. Oh my gosh! And the the Quicksilver scenes felt like the Nightcrawler scenes from X2. Oh yeah. But Nightcrawler being the best part of your movie makes sense! It does make sense. Because <laughs> Nightcrawler is, you know... Also Alan Cumming. I mean, yeah. come yeah. on. Well, you know, before he turns into a born pacifist. But then, uh, but then again, it did also have one of my favorite fight scenes, which is anything including Blink, when she opens up the Oh, that was really Very cool. cool. Yes. Very cool. I liked that they kept what was good <laughs> from the first few movies with the, the present day, and they took um, First Class and continued that story well, I thought. Um, James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender loved it. Steven? Again, we live in a backwards world. When Blink, when Blink is in a feature, live-action feature film before Wonder Woman. <laughs> the world's not ready for Wonder Woman. But it's ready for Blink, apparently. And Angel. And Angel. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Can we, can we say that, the, that Reviews versus the podcast is in favor of more female superhero movies? Indeed, as we'll find out a little bit later down on my list. Please! Stay tuned, folks! So, in, in conclusion... Um, it was good, and I'm excited for uh, Apocalypse, and if you've seen the movie, you know why it was good. I just enjoyed it, and I don't think that we need to really go into much more. You know what it is. It's great. Awesome. Also, Bravely Default, which is a video <laughs> game. Yes, it is. <laughs> Bravely it's, Default? Bravely Default. It is a, uh, it's kind of like a throwback to the old school Final Fantasy games of yore. Um, it, uh, is very much... A very strict uh, turn-based strategy. There is no um, active time battle meter. There is none of that. Um, but this introduced a new mechanic, which is the Brave Default System, which the game is named after. Um, what it means is uh, every every turn you're given a point, and that is kind of like a turn point. So every time you make an action, you do like a magic or whatever, it uses up that point, and your turn is essentially over. Um, what it does is when you default, which is another word for for saying defend. You don't spend that point. You save it, so you add another point to that, and so you can add up to like three total points on top of your, like your base point. And at that point, you can start doing what's called braiding, which is when you start using multiple points in the same turn. So you can attack three times in a row, or however, uh, I think up to a total of four times. Um, and it's really cool because when you're grinding, you can go ahead and just do all four of your of your braids and go into the negatives. And you'll attack four times in that one turn and, you know, defeat your, you know, the, the minions or whatever. And you'll go through that faster. Um, but when you're actually going through the story mode and you're going through the mini bosses and the actual bosses, you find out that they also have access to that system. So you're not the only one that can do Brave in Default. And you will have characters that will default, you know, multiple times and then use their Braves to just completely annihilate your entire team in one or two turns. Um, because these are not always one-on-one -on -one battles. You do, you do have boss battles where you fight two bosses at the same time. And they're both doing the whole Brave and Default system. Um, the story is also just really good. It's not... It, 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 once again, it's also a throwback to the old school uh, Final Fantasies where you're going after the four crystals, being near the four heroes and all these things. But there is a big kind of twist uh, at the end. And it's a twist that's so cleverly... It's so well done. It's in the title of the of the game, because the full title of the game is Brave Default Flying Fairy, and it's just uh, I don't I don't want to spoil it. We're getting into spoiler territory. Yeah, no, this is one of the best things. When I found out, like, <coughs> when I got to that point, I was like, bam! Just my brain just exploded inside my face. 
So, I, so I understood most of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's my angle. So, 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 so as a fan of like old school Final Fantasies and not a fan of new school Final Fantasies at all, would this be a game for me? Oh yeah, yeah this definitely. Is if if you enjoyed like the remakes they also did for Final Fantasy IV and Final Fantasy III on the DS, oh yeah, um, this is definitely right there. This throws back to it and just adds new elements that we had never really seen before. Cool. It certainly adds a kind of a fresh uh, take to the uh, turn-based combat system. It, it's clever. My absolute favorite part of Bravely Default is the fact that within the first five minutes of gameplay, you have been begged not once but twice by two big-eyed anime girls to help save the world. Your target audience for this <laughs> game is very clear. <laughs> Just saying. The, the one thing before the one real fast is the intro sequence is an AR sequence where you're go, where you're looking through your 3DS. And the little fairy appears, and the prince—it's a, a total Leia scene, where the princess or the the mistress or the magical woman priestess, she's talking to you, sending you this message, and it's all happening in the in the AR. So you so you move your 3DS around, and you see like the world crumbling, like you see your world just like all the walls start falling apart. And I I started playing it when I was like in the bathroom. And so in the background, I was just looking everywhere. I'm like, I no, this is the worst place to do this. First time I tried this, I, I hit the AR sensor wrong, and so my camera was actually looking like through the priestess's stomach. Uh, <laughs> it didn't work very well. It did not have the same impact on me that it had on Elbow. <laughs> very. So, I'm not very familiar with the Final Fantasy games, and I, I've played very little. I think I played Super Mario RPG on the Super NES. Woo! Um, uh, does this have chocobos in it? Mm, I don't remember. No, I don't think so, not. Because that was a thing that everyone was obsessed with, with Final Fantasy VII. No, but you get an chocobo. You get an airship. An airship? An airship. Alright. Sold. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Steven. My number three pick is a movie that I almost missed. Um, the Book of Life. Oh, I missed that one. <laughs> so, it comes from Real FX Creative Studios, which is kind of a no-name animated studio. Um, but, something about it captured my attention. Two words. No, three words. Yeah. Guillermo del, del Toro. Toro. Yeah. Guillermo del Toro is a producer on this movie, and uh, that man knows how to make good-looking films. The Book of Life is not the best movie I've ever seen. The plot is kind of standard. The characters are okay, but it was it was the best-looking movie of 2014, hands down. Nothing looked better than this movie. Um, it takes place in Mexico. And so you've got voice actors like Diego Luna, Zoe Saldana, that add sort of a, you know... It, it's, it's from this perspective that we don't see a whole lot in American cinema. Also, Channing Tatum uh. is in this. And Ron Perlman. So, you know... Well, it's Guillermo del Toro. It is Guillermo del Toro. So, of course, Ron Perlman's in it. Yeah. I actually don't have a problem with Channing Tatum. He actually does fine. He does. I, I like him in 22 Jump Street. Well, it's, it's weird that you've got all of these Mexican characters and one of them happens to be voiced by Channing Tatum. But he's also that guy you don't like, right? Like, that's what the trailer's leading me to believe. Well, no, he's, he's pretty likable. <clears throat> um, but again, you're not really going into the Book of Life for the, uh, 
for the story, because it's kind of the standard love triangle. There's a woman, and there are two guys, and they grew up together, and one of them is going to marry the girl, and you just know that one of them is going to marry the girl, but you also know which one it is from the very beginning, so there's no suspense at all. But um, all of the visuals are infused with this uh, style that is very clearly drawn from the Mexican Day of the Dead. It's a visual aesthetic that we don't see in movies, especially not American-produced movies very often. It's gorgeous. Um, there are several sequences that take place in the land of the dead, um, which is, you know, this is a heavy topic for a kid's film. Characters die, people die, and they don't always come back to life. But um, death is treated not as a tragedy, but as sort of the next step in the process, um, and a lot of emphasis is placed on remembering those who have passed on. And so it's a fairly healthy film, I would say, just, just from the, the perspective of talking to your kids about death. And like I say... Which I do all the time. Mm, I talk to your kids about death a lot, too. <laughs> so... <laughs> gorgeous. <laughs> Uncle, Uncle Steven's here. <laughs> hey, kids! Uh, uh, Let me talk to you about when you'll cry about your death. <laughs> But I've never seen, like, this movie takes a lot of risks with the visual style. Character designs do not look, this, Disney would not make this film. It would, Disney would not make a film that looks anything like this. The characters look like puppets, but they also have a, a very distinct Mexican flavor. For crying out loud, they actually show Mexico from space, and Mexico has a mustache. <laughs> yes, yes. It's a little silly, but it, because it was a movie that probably considering the stiff competition that surrounded it when it came out, probably didn't do as well as it could have or should have, yeah. deserves deserves more attention. It comes out on DVD later this month. Um, so, you know, Redbox, at the very least, this is a movie that deserves support. That's, it's, available. Because, yeah. Yeah. it's available for purchase right now on Voodoo, and actually I've been considering it. I, I wanted to see it just for the visuals alone, oh, because it looked so gorgeous. There's, there is an art of the Book of Life out there, one of those art books, and it I, I flipped through it. It's handsome. Yeah. I handsome see is it. my word of the day. I want to see it because it's made for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so, Okay, when he said uh, Day of the Dead, he meant Dia de los Muertos. Oh! <laughs> I don't know if I crossed the line that or not. I was testing the waters. No, I, I, uh, we, did, we would always, in Spanish class, would always try to do, like, a Day of the Dead thing. I don't think we ever accomplished, like, a, you know. That's actually something that we do, do at my home, at my home. We do, we do have the, the Virgin Mary altar, and we have pictures of everybody, and we do the cutouts and the food and everything, so that is actually a really big tradition in my family. Cool. Very cool. So, yeah. All right, so my number three is a book. And it's Words of Radiance by Brandon Sanderson. Um, so, basically, if, if you don't know Brandon Sanderson, he writes these fantasy novels, mainly, that have these intricate worlds that are very well built, and these interesting, you know, takes on magic, and how all of that works. Um, Words of Radiance is the second book in his Stormlight Archive series. The first one is Way of Kings, which is also amazing. Um, but Words of Radiance, I actually liked even more. Um, basically, just give you a little bit of the background of this story and a little bit about what it's about. Um, so we have 
this world where s several hundred years ago there were these there were these basically gods called the Radiants and the Knights Radiant, and basically what they would do is protect mankind from all sorts of unknown terrors. And one day the Knights Radiant just took their armor and their swords and just threw them on the ground and left the earth, and no one really knows why. Um, and then it goes to modern day where, you know, people have found these, this armor and these, and these swords and realize that they basically give you super strength and, and things like that. So a lot of the economy is, is based around these things that are called shard plate and shard blade. Um, because, of course, they make you more or less a god. Um, but the Knights Radiant were actually more than that. They had these other abilities. And, and so they could actually do things without relying on their magical armor and magical swords. Um, and so the story of Way of Kings and Wars of Radiance is actually kind of the refounding of the Knights Radiant. Um, these people who start realizing that they are gaining these abilities, and it's just so intricately written, and the politics behind it, and it is, it's actually an amazing book. Uh, now, I will say that this series is an investment in your time. Um, <laughs> each book is around 1,200 pages. Oh. I can't read anything that's longer than 22 pages and unillustrated. <laughs> <laughs> now, they were giving away... He was at um, the Salt Lake Comic Con, and they were giving away books where it was, like, the first five chapters of two books. And I was like, wow, give away five whole chapters. And everyone was just like, oh, that's not even, even like, close to, like, the whole book. Oh, whatever. no. But, but the, the interesting thing is, you know, just how all of these abilities work and, you know, how the sharp plate, how the sharp plate works and just how intricate it is. I, I won't really go into it here because I really want you guys to go out and read it because it's that awesome. So is it a well-built a well -built world and oh. it's unique to it, it's, it's, it's completely, it's completely unique. Um, just the way that, the way that everything works with the abilities is something that I have never seen before in a fantasy novel. Um, and so if you are wanting a book that, you know, you can sink your teeth into, that will take you a little while, um, but at the same time, there are only two books in this series out right now. And he's planning it to be a series of ten, but he has a long ways to go. I mean, these books he can't exactly write overnight. Um, <laughs> now, 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 luckily, in between the first book and the second book, he ended up actually finishing the Wheel of Time series after Robert Jordan died. I was going to ask if he is, yeah. Yeah, so that way was longer than we're seeing, you know, for the next uh, book in the Stormlight Archives. But I definitely recommend picking it up, getting it a read. Cool. If you have the time. A lot of time. Make the time. Make the time. Make, Make the time. time. Well, well, I mean, yes. you know, one thing that I can say about me with reading is I don't really take a lot of time. When I'm at home, I usually like to be there with my family, you know, with my wife and with my kids and interacting with them. And I feel like reading a book often can shut me off to that. And so what I do is I, I actually do audiobooks. And just, you know, even on the drive to and from work, um, it might take you a little while to read something, but it's it's amazing for me. And I get in my reading, and I love it. So Audible. 
We would love to have you as part of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sponsored by Audible, but not really. <laughs> but not really. <laughs> number right. two? Number two! Oh, um, well, I was just talking if I could go number two. Ah. Uh, <laughs> you, can you, can you, can you can edit that out. Yeah. yeah. Really. <laughs> I was waiting all podcasts, I'm sorry. <laughs> so my um, number two runner-up choice is the best Marvel film I think today, Cap 2. Yay! Um... And it's been so long since it's come out, and it's, you know, we've probably all owned it for a long time. You know, um, everything's been said about it. It is great uh, for several reasons. In the Avengers, you see Captain America as kind of, you know, not one of the mightiest of the mightiest heroes. And this film, you really see how much more superhuman he is than, you know, everyone around him. Even from the first scene, on your left, on your left, because <laughs> you see someone jogging in the in the Capitol, and you're like, oh, it's probably Cap, and then boom, on your left, and then you're like, oh, that's not Cap at all. <laughs> I, I do like the fact that he just runs through like every wall with his shield. Yep, this is America. You? We don't you? use doors. Yeah, <laughs> um, love that. Cap and the Kool Aid Man. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I love the fight scene on the boat, the Lumerian Star, when they're trying to, you know, do their spy stuff. Um, just really cool seeing him run around and take everybody out with his shield. Um, he, you know, uh, they brought in Batrock Zilliper, <laughs> of all comic book people to bring into the movie. And he offended zero Frenchmen. Yeah. Which is an achievement. The French did not care. I think it's great showing Cap in modern times, not as like, ooh, how do you use a computer? But he's just catching up. He's still a young man, and so he, like, you know, could pick up, you know, skills and things like that. So I think that he's probably comfortable with using modern conveniences, but also hasn't, uh, hasn't listened to Marvin Gaye and, and still wants to know about Star Trek or Star Wars. They, uh, they changed that for, I guess, for every country it was shown in. So they had different things on his list of things to catch up on that were pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> I like as, that. As wall up down. Yeah. As smart as Captain is, he still risks a lot by putting the, the, the whole, you know, the key to saving the day inside a vending machine. Hoping nobody buys yeah. Bob William. And, and it didn't work because Black Widow got there before he had. Good thing yeah. she's a good guy, or was in this movie. Um, I liked their on-screen chemistry. I know that they're not supposed to be a couple, but I think that they were... You know, good together. I think that Black they played Widow good pals. Can, yeah, yeah, they played good pals. Yeah, and I think that um, I just liked. I, you know, he does a good job in the movie. You and and you don't think. Um, I don't know. I just think that it was the most successful of the like phase two sequels of the you know the first movies. I think it was better than Thor, Thor two, or um, Iron Man three, which I liked both of those. But I think that it, you know, it was kind of gutsy, like, we're going to just trash all of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, we've, we're, we've set up this up in the other movies, and, oh, it was Hydra the whole time. Spoiler, Spoiler alert. Um, yeah. ah! <laughs> Whatever. It's, you know, if it, if it would, like, come out last week, I wouldn't say anything, but it was almost a year ago. If you're concerned about that, please bring out your little flashy men in black things now. <laughs> I think we can... Um, Maybe just put a spoiler warning at the beginning. Just be like, there are a lot of spoilers about stuff, whether intentional or not. Um, and I, I just think that I, it, 
Falcon, bringing Falcon in the way they did. Oh, he was How awesome. How great was that? Yes. I am raising my hands to the heavens <laughs> right now because Anthony Mackie was so one good. of the best parts of that movie. Yeah. Mm. Oh, man. Easily. Give that man a solo movie. I would go to a Falcon solo would, movie. Yeah. Oh, good thing yeah. he just happened to be jogging along there. <laughs> what an interesting coincidence. Well, I, I, want, I want to give a special shout-out in this movie to Robert Redford. Yeah. What the heck is Robert Redford doing in this movie? He wanted to be in a Marvel movie. <laughs> his, gra- his grandchildren were like, hey, you should be in a Marvel movie. Then, And that's how we got uh, Richard Harris as Dumbledore, because his granddaughter said she'd refuse to talk to him if he didn't play it. Good actors need to have more grandkids. That's apparently. exactly right. Um, and I liked that it was still a superhero movie, but it, the feel of it was like a, a spy thriller. Um of course, Sebastian Stan as, as Bucky, as uh, the Winter Soldier. Like, spoilers again, but... <laughs> yeah, if you haven't read Brett, uh, Ed Brubaker's comic, you really should. That comic's been out for years. It's been out for, yeah, what, five years? Or, no, sorry, seven years now? At least years in the multiple. I thought it came out, what, 2008? Where is it on the shelf? Right here. Aha! <laughs> it's excellent. Um, and this is the one where on the Marvel Unlimited app, they added special effects, or sound effects, so they have, like thematic music and bullet sound effects and stuff. It's alright. It's, you know, it adds a little bit. What year? What 2005. Year? 2005? That's so this is a ten-year-old comic. Yeah, no excuse. Ed Brubaker is great. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he's in the movie. But, right. yeah, I, I thought that they... It was, a, it was a great sequel to The Avengers as well as the first Cap. I thought that it moved the whole cinematic universe in an interesting direction. I thought it was gutsy with the, the um, decision with Hydra, uh, like, you know, having them in there. And, um, you know, I liked the little, the little hint of Doctor Strange. Just mentioning his name kind of set off my nerd alarm, so... Guys, this is, this is the movie that gave us Robert Redford in a comic book film. Yeah. And also Captain America punching out a helicopter. So, yeah. <laughs> I can't give it a higher endorsement than that. I love that. I am incapable of saying more strongly how much this movie means to me. It's the movie where Captain America punches a helicopter. <laughs> That's it. That's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Aldo. There. Yeah. Wait, wait. Is it anime? Is it anime, Aldo? No. No? It's not anime. Oh, my gosh. I was thinking... I, I did one of... It's one of my honorable mentions, but... Uh, one of my honorable mentions is an anime, but it's not it. It's actually Arrow, the TV show, uh, season three, um, because that's the one that happened in 2014. Um, <laughs> it's it's just, it's been a great series because uh, from the beginning up until now, it's just kind of goes nowhere but up. Um, truthfully, the first half of the first season is kind of it's a little, it's a slow burn, um, but every episode just keeps getting better, just keeps building up. Um, those great things, um, but season season three has just been kind of raising the ante up on everything. We have more interaction with the League of Shadows that was introduced in season two. I love that they're doing that. Yeah, they're bringing in more characters from all over the place. Um, my favorite addition to the whole to the whole thing has been uh, Brandon Routh as a reoccurring character of, uh, of Ray Palmer, um, also known as the M, who has taken over Queen Consolidated. And has created the love triangle that I've been waiting for years that I didn't know I wanted, which was between <laughs> uh, Felicity Smoke, his kind of tech-wise assistant of uh, of Oliver, 
um, Oliver and Ray Palmer. That's just that little triangle between the three of them. And then the fact that it's crossing over with with the Flash means it's not just a love triangle, it's a love square between franchises. Oh my gosh, this is the love thing I needed. <laughs> is your own love life very unsatisfying right now? Yes! <laughs> I don't love at the speed of light. <laughs> I love in square form. And the fact that like everybody shoots, everybody uses a bow and arrow, and nobody bats an eye. <laughs> oh, this person was killed with bow and arrow. Okay, cool. Let's look at the arrows. Let's see where they belong to. Are we not gonna question the fact that there's better technology to use? <laughs> Do you think gangsters would mess with other guys? Like, oh, I heard one of your buddies got killed by an arrow last night. Hey, shut up! It was a, it was a really sharp. Arrow. <laughs> it was really sharp. It got into my tendon and stuff. Hey, have you seen Hunger Games? Those things are dangerous, man! <laughs> Come on, Lego, let's, let's go. Um, anyways, yeah, this has been excellent. Watch it. And The Flash. Watch it together. Yes. Cool. Alright, Steven. Guys, number two and number one, are, it, it's really hard for me to, to pick between them. Number two is probably one of the most significant pop culture moments in nerddom. Um, there's been a lot of talk in the comic book community about uh, just improving the diversity that you find in comics. Um, and I think Marvel Comics and, surprisingly, Archie Comics are probably leading the way on that front. Uh, Marvel has made a huge push recently to promote titles uh, to draw in uh, female readers. And uh, one of its more successful uh, efforts was uh, bringing in Carol Danvers and turning her into Captain Marvel, which happened a couple years ago. That frees up this moniker, Miss Marvel, that had been unused for a long time. And so Marvel Comics decides to take the name Miss Marvel, which you might have picked up on the fact that this is the name of the company, and they give it to a Pakistani-American Muslim teenage girl. Miss Marvel was published in 2014, uh, written by G. Willow Wilson, who is herself a Muslim convert, um, and drawn by Adrian Alfana. Oh my gosh, this, this book, I could talk for hours and hours and hours about it, and I won't yet, but it'll happen. <laughs> if nothing else, I will talk about it to myself, because there is so much to say about this book. It looks great. Um, the story at first read is kind of just your normal teenage superhero uh, coming-of-age story that we've been reading over and over and over again since Spider-Man first came out. But it's got this added layer of a of, of young woman who is an outcast, um, trying to discover who she is and accept those parts of her heritage that come from her parents and fit that in with the type of person that she wants to be. Um, and really, even though this is kind of writ large from my perspective, I mean, I live in a community, I'm white and male and straight, and so I'm about as privileged as we get, and yet I still, as a teenager, felt like that outcast. So I have that much in common with Kamala Khan, our new Miss Marvel. Well, you read comics, so... Oh, okay, I did read comics. She, she is, is, a, little bit she is a comic fan. She's a fan of all these, um, <laughs> you know, heroes, because, I mean, they, yeah. they're walking around in their world. Yeah, well, so her, her power is that she's a shapeshifter, right? And she's trying to emulate these heroes? Yes, um, and so the, within the first uh, couple of issues, she is actually trying to be Captain Marvel, so she's 
turns herself from a very Pakistani-looking character into a white blonde girl, and she finds she doesn't like what this says about herself. Um, ultimately, when I go into a superhero comic, I mean, the social commentary is great. It really is, and it's something that we've needed more of. Um, I, but I really just want to see people with power doing the right thing for the right reason. And there is a bit in, very early on in the book, I believe it's actually in the second chapter, the second uh, issue, um, where Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan, is faced with the choice of, of helping to save a life or walking away. And she quotes a passage from the Quran and says, whoever kills one person, it is as if he has killed all of mankind. And whoever saves one person, it is as if he has saved all of mankind. And then she throws in a Simpsons reference and goes and saves the day. <laughs> yeah. Heroes acting heroically will get me every time. I will tear up. I will cry. I will do it. Don't, don't make me. <laughs> get a bottle ready. Anyway, Miss Marvel, No Normal, the first uh, collection of uh, issues of the Miss Marvel series, it was published in 2014. Probably the most important nerd pop culture moment, and certainly one of the best books um, that I've read, not just last year, but in the last couple of years. It's, it's well worth picking. Great comic. And, and, and besides what it's doing as far as social commentary and adding diversity and you know exposing people to cultures maybe they don't know anything about or misunderstand, it's also, it's a great superhero comic, you know? And it has, you know, you say, it's, yeah, it's you know, familiar with the teen superhero thing. I think it, it touches on things that we like about that. It's, it's what's good about the teen superhero way. Marvel's been, been uh, with a lot of their comics recently, focusing on the personal lives of their heroes more and more yeah. over the superhero action. And it's added this human element that really has captured my attention in a lot of ways. I have not bought more Marvel comics in my life than I have in the last year because of this new push. Well, I think you look at Hawkeye. I think Hawkeye is the best comic out there. We, we're going to have to do a review. We have to do a we have to do a review on Hawkeye. Oh my gosh! And it's about what he's doing when he's not a superhero. That is <laughs> yeah. the best thing. Well, I've it's said. Hawkeye. Hawkeye's never a superhero. Yeah, yeah. He's a guy with a bow. <laughs> it's he's from just a hero. What's his name? The Paleolithic era. That's right, Paleolithic. I looked it up. <laughs> I do. I do love the apartment. The the Christmas issue where he's. Oh. Saves the apartment. Anyways, so, that's, anyway, that's a whole other thing. That's a whole thing. <laughs> that's a whole awesome. thing. Alright, so my number two is a game. Shocker for me. Um, and it's actually Mario Kart 8. Oh, I'm bad at that game. Oh, <laughs> this game. I mean, ever since, you know, I was never really into the Super Nintendo Mario Kart, but the N64 Mario Kart. When that came out, I cannot tell you how many hundreds of hours I spent playing that with friends. I mean, seriously, it was, it was my life. And, you know, over the years, I kind of fell out of love with Mario Kart. I mean, they still had some good, decent entries, but they didn't really grab my attention until this new one. And, of course, this is for the Wii U, which is an amazing console that I love. I love my Wii U. Um, but Mario Kart 8, the first thing that you will notice is it is gorgeous. I mean, I, I have had a, I've had a PS4, um, I have a decent PC, I've seen the amazing graphics that, that are out there, but I have never had my jaw drop like the first time that I played through Mario Kart. 
the, it's just so beautifully animated. Um, the tracks are all so, so wonderful. The characters all have such personality. I mean, you, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have seen the Luigi Death Stare. Dun, dun, dun. I, ooh. Oh. I've seen that. So <laughs> I'm here Okay, alright. So So if you don't know, this is just the level of detail that, that this game goes into. And and it's wonderful because you have a replay mode that you can use at any time. You can go, actually go really in depth with all the options. But as as you shoot somebody, if you dr- then drive by them, your character kind of looks at them. <laughs> Luigi does it in a way that can only be described as a death stare. And there's been some amazing YouTube videos out there, I recommend going and looking at them, where it's Luigi shooting people and doing the death stare to hip-hop, and it's it's absolutely hilarious. (laughs) It's wonderful. Um, But, but, I mean, really, there's just so much detail in absolutely everything. Um, You, if you're going over mud, and then you go over... Regular terrain, all of a sudden, you see that mud still on your tires a little bit starting to come off onto the track. I mean, it goes so in-depth in all of the detail. But, you know, all all this stuff is not even important. What's important is it is fun. Uh, The racing is extremely well-balanced, whether you're playing by yourself, whether you're playing online, whether you're playing with four people. It is just an absolute blast. And I would highly recommend it to absolutely anyone out there. It's a wonderful game. Yeah. Alright. Yeah. So now <laughs> we are in the final round with our number one picks. Which I think we can only really announce these number one picks with a drum roll before each pick. Oh. Alright. <laughs> so without further ado, John, your number one pick. <laughs> As go, as, it's going into the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know how you wanted to do the drum roll. I was going to say, well, I, I love movies and I love Marvel, so what do you think it was? Um, <laughs> when this was first announced, I first heard about it, I, I think, 2011, how they were going to do Guardians of the Galaxy. And the state of Marvel is they don't own all of the movie rights to all of their characters. And so they're like, well, what are we going to do? Let's scrape the barrel here. <gasps> Guardians of the Galaxy, a superhero team that's in space. And they have a talking tree and a raccoon. I heard about that and I said, that's ridiculous. Oh, that's that ridiculous. That's the thing that pushes me over the edge. No, I can believe space travel. I can believe all these things and blue people. And, but a talking tree, whatever. But it didn't seem like it would really work on anything besides like a cartoon show. Uh, and the more, the closer we got to the release date, the more excited I got. And I avoided trailers for this. I, I knew that Hooked on a feeling was used. And I knew that they had this like lineup where they like gave the finger to him or whatever. That's all I knew. And I like closed my ears and I plugged I clo- plugged my ears and closed my eyes before you know whenever it would come up in uh, other movies that I went to go see. I just didn't want to have anything ruined for me, and it paid off. I think that that method worked for this film. Loved it. Um, it was a big gamble, I think, for Marvel, but it paid off. It was the most successful movie at the box office for 2014. 333 million. Um, they're going to have a sequel, which I think the, what was this, the uh, thing they released at Comic-Con? It was just like, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and it was just like a handwritten two under it, just like <laughs> that kind of style. 
I've listened to the soundtrack more times than oh, I just, I, just non-stop. And, like, that's not really the kind of music that I like, but it's great music and loved it. I bought the soundtrack the day I saw it, like, the night I went home, bought yeah. it off iTunes, and made, went to my playlist and put them in the order that they play in the movie. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and so that's, that's my awesome mix. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's how much I fell in love with the soundtrack, because I have them in the order they appear. So, so good! That's the, the first song, that's sorry, the second song is my favorite. Is, uh, Come and Get Your Love. Come and Get Your Love. Yes. I think, yeah. Just, I, I don't get tired of that song. I don't know. Um, Zoe Saldana was kind of meh, I thought. She was kind of playing roles that she's been in before. Not bad, but not like... I think they could have maybe found somebody who was like... Certainly a missed opportunity. I yeah. I, I actually don't think there was anything wrong with Zoe Saldana. Personally. The character was underwritten. Yes. Uh, yeah. it, was such, it was such a colorful cast. There was She just kind of got drowned out, really. I think my favorite and most surprising was Dave Bautista. Yeah, oh, what oh, wow. Where he comes from, you know. <laughs> um, I, I, I read, I love IMDb, I love reading all the trivia about the movie. Apparently he was so happy, just overjoyed that he got the part. He took extra acting lessons and has been, you know, switching over from fighting into acting. And I, he did a great job. I just, and it, I think it was well written, too. Uh, but just the little moments that he got. The the moment I knew he was going to become one of my new favorite characters was the second he, he looked at Star Wars and he's like, why would I rub my finger against him? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes. Nothing would go over my head. I would, my reflexes are too fast. I, I would catch, catch it. it. I love that moment. I love the part where he kills the guy at the end and yeah. he's like, finger to the throat meets death. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you know, <laughs> and, and this is kind of a, a, a side personal thing for me, um, is I, I actually have a son with autism, and one of the things with autism is they're a lot like drafts, where, you know, they, they awesome. might take everything kind of literally. Um, and so Drax was just that much cooler to me, because my, my personal connection with autism and seeing, you know, he... He might be on the spectrum. I mean, if if <laughs> if if he was real, he, he would he would probably be on the spectrum. And and it's actually amazing that here's this hero, yeah, on the autism spectrum. And so you know, for, for me personally, that was actually really really cool. I like um, having a hero that nobody understood what he was saying. I, I can root. relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that each of the characters got their own little moment. Yeah. You know, Rocket planned their, their uh, escape. Rocket and Groot, I think, were great. Um, I thought Beyond they all expectations. Exactly. Because I was like, I don't know. I, uh, I just, I was doubting and I was wrong. And so now it's just, okay, Marvel, you can do whatever you want. Um, I, I will see and ban. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what it boils down to, isn't it? <laughs> I didn't care for Glenn Close in it, and she said in interviews that she just wanted to do this movie so she could do more, you know, films of different types, and this was just a way to, to do that, and I thought that she didn't do a great job. She's she's very talented. Barely in it. Yeah, she's barely in it. I just, like, little missed opportunities like that when there are, you know, plenty of great characters. I was on Karen Gillan. I felt like the, the few little bits where I saw her... In there, I felt like she actually overacted. The, movie's, I, the movie yeah. criminally underuses some of its finest yes. talent. Yeah. I am one of the biggest fans of Lee Pace, but oh, Roman yeah. the oh, yeah. belonged in a completely different movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Lee Pace is great, but I think that, you know... I don't but, know. but, this movie did give us... <laughs> <laughs> Walking Dead fans, who, who, is, who is Yondu? 
He's Michael Merlin. He, Merlin. Oh my gosh. I, I don't know, this is my first exposure to the man, but oh my gosh. I want a Yondu movie. I want a Yondu movie and a Falcon movie. They can team up. I would watch that. What, what, Actually, what after I, this year, I would watch that. One of my favorite things, um, like, we, we just, I want to throw in, is, uh, in the world of Tumblr, where very many scary things happen, especially if you are white, straight, and straight. And, uh, white, straight, and straight. Male, sorry. <laughs> but one of the things that the Tumblr community came up with was this fantastic like, headcanon that uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is a D&D campaign by the Avengers. <laughs> Captain America, who believes himself to be Star-Lord, um, Star Lord, man. Yeah, so, and you have uh, Tony Stark who decides he wants to be Rocket Raccoon. Um, <laughs> you have Bruce Banner who doesn't want to play the game, so he just responds by saying, I am Groot. Unless <laughs> his good buddy Tony decide everything for him. Um, you have uh, Black Widow who wants to be, um, uh, what's her Gamora. So she has this intricate storyline that nobody pays attention to. <laughs> <laughs> and you have Hawkeye who just wants to be who wants to be awesome but they keep throwing him out of the storyline and he's Yondu. And you have, <laughs> and you have Thor who doesn't you have Thor who doesn't really know what's going on, so he's Drax. <laughs> <laughs> and the the DM the whole time is Bucky. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that made the that made the whole thing better for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was great. I don't know if there's anything else to say that hasn't already been said and, and experienced because dang, if that wasn't a great movie, and I, I think that they just they turned a nothing property into a huge franchise now. I so. saw it four times opening weekend. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it is my favorite movie this year by far. Like I I I still have, I've probably watched it at least eight times by this point, and I still just smile the entire way through. Yeah. Just the Star-Lord, finally. That moment is so good. Yeah. Though I do have to say that one of, one of the things that um, I didn't, I don't want to say I didn't like, but kind of threw me off was the fact that it does tend to get a little dark at moments, and it's kind of unexpected, especially like the way that the, the Infinity Stone like reacts to people, and like, mm -hmm. it just blows up people, and I was like, whoa! That kind of took me out of it, but then... I see Rocket drinking, and that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nothing's funnier than a drunk raccoon. Which makes sense if you accept the, the Tumblr headcanon. <laughs> <laughs> as a side note, can I just say that as a longtime fan of Parks and Rec, I think it's awesome that Chris Pratt is just oh, exploding yeah. into a superstar. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I'm glad when, when people that are cool get, get, like, you know... Cooler. Cooler. The fame, the, the big roles or whatever. Yeah. Cool. Cool, cool. All those All right. Uh, All those number one. Big Hero 6. Woo! Big Hero 6. Uh, that was Big Hero 6, for those of you that didn't understand Aldo and <laughs> Word. <laughs> this, this would have been one of my honorable mentions. Uh, this is not my honorable mention. This is my no Well, it's not my number one, because they're not in any order. <laughs> but it's definitely there. Kind of negates the drum roll, doesn't it? I, a little bit. <laughs> I still I would prefer to watch Big Hero 6 over, over playing Brave the Fall. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, I loved it. It was, uh, I was a fan of the comics, even though they don't have, like, that, that huge of a run. Um, the original, not the original comics, but the, uh, Chris Claremont, like, six-issue miniseries was actually, uh, suggested to me by my old boss at the comic book store when I worked there, 
because he saw it was very manga influenced, and he's like, you would like this, and he was right, and I liked it. Um, because in the comics, Baymax is a giant mech bodyguard, and that's cool. But in this one, the more I saw about it, the more I was interested in it, and seeing that just the dramatic change that was Baymax going from like a scary mech bodyguard thing to becoming this soft, fluffy pillow that warms up. Um, <laughs> was just was just kind of awesome and seeing the Disney the Disney twist to a Marvel property, which is something I was curious about how they were going to do it, when they were going to do it, and what property. And they kind of went with one of the oddest properties that Marvel probably has alongside Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. um, because it is a very uh, Japanese based uh, set of heroes and and type of locale, and they kind of incorporate that into the movie where you're. This is the first. Asian protagonist who is not a kung fu star. <laughs> Which goes back to cinema. Marvel, you know, amping up their diversity. I think. Yeah. It's so that. and the thing I love about this is the fact that like nobody in this is super because everybody's smart and everybody. That's where their strength comes in. Is nobody gives them their powers. They don't. I mean, with the, with the exception of like uh, of hero who apparently has enough money to build a generator thing in his garage. (laughs) (laughs) These are students that have access to all these things, not because they were given to them, not because they were inherited, but because they worked worked hard in school, they worked hard to get to college, they worked hard to get these grants that allow them to create these things that essentially gave them their powers. Their own hard work and ingenuity gave them their powers. And I think that's actually a really cool kind of message that Disney and Marvel essentially send out with this. And just how great of a character Baymax is. Oh my god. Because he's so kind of naive and he learns. And the best thing about it is nobody brings up the fact that he's a robot. Like nobody nobody tries to make that distinction. Nobody tries to go like, he's, he's a robot. He's not a, he's not a person. Nobody really cares. It's just acceptable he's what famous. he is. And the great thing is, they never touch on the subject like, does Baymax have a soul? No one cares, because he's just adorable and lovable, and he cares. You know, going back to what you were saying earlier about about these characters having powers kind of based on their own skills and intellect, I can guarantee that Big Hero 6 is going to be a movie that inspires some kid who wasn't planning to, to go to college. Okay. Yep. This is a movie that makes brains cool in a way that we've never seen. It's not pandering, mm-hmm. it's not preachy, it's just these kids are into science, and science is rad. And we as the audience just watch and we go, yeah, science is pretty rad. Yeah. I like science. I how, do I, how do I learn more about this science thing? How do I science? <laughs> I want to be like Tony Stark and Hiro Tadashi. <laughs> Hiro and Tadashi. Anyways, but uh, yeah, no, I just, I, I love it. And I like using Baymax and Hero in Disney Infinity. <laughs> just some of those shots with them up on the the blimps that are around the city. And I love the design of the city and all the characters. Yeah, the staff are so good. Yeah, just it's gorgeous, and it's just like the two of them together it just looks so cool. I I do love the fact that like it never becomes a stereotype. Like you don't see that Asian stereotype. Yeah, hardly any. any you do have the white slacker stereotype. You do. You do and, have that. And you do have the scaredy black man stereotype. Yeah. It's not completely above stereotypes, oh, but no, they make some good steps. So one of the interesting things, talk about the diverse cast, because you do have, you know, uh, 
Asians and you know a black man and obviously a white man. Um, because that's diversity. But at um, least there's only the one. That's well, I guess there are a couple. Yes, but you do have two strong females. And I just spit across the room. I apologize. Um, you do have two strong females. You have one, and I love her catchphrase where she's like, "Woman up." <laughs> I love that. And the other. Honey, honey Lemon. Honey Lemon. Honey Lemon is my favorite character from the movie, honestly. And she's voiced by uh, Genesis Rodriguez. Oh, yes. I didn't know that. Yes. She's the one with the uh, different like, with the balls. The balls. Yeah. So that, that, yeah, do different chemically things. Yeah. Because she's, science and because science and chemistry and fission and I don't know. She's, she's work hard in college. Hispanic, and I thought that was interesting and cool. And we had Gogo Tamago. <laughs> it, it was. It was. And I love. I I was also curious about how they were going to justify their very racial mm-hmm. names. And it was done in such a way that I just absolutely loved it. Where there were nicknames given to them by Fred, the only man who does not have a racially stereotyped name. <laughs> <laughs> and it's still, it's not connected to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but there's still a Stanley cameo. Yes. Um, Which is one of the better ones. Yeah. Yes. I, that kind of takes me out of those movies. It has to be done in just the right way, or I, else it's just like... It it was it was a big enough cameo that had it been in the middle of the movie, it would have definitely taken me out. But the mm-hmm. fact it was where it was placed, I was just like, yeah, I was yeah. already on the movie that. And it, yeah, see, I think that was a good way to do it. Yes. Definitely. So, all right. The tale of Princess Kaguya. Yeah, I know this one. Relatively certain I'm the only person in this room who's seen it. Yes. Anyway, I've not seen it though. <laughs> it's kind of an odd choice. 2014 or 2013 rather was the year that uh, Hayao Miyazaki announced that he was retiring from Studio Ghibli and retiring from animation. And there were two films that were released at the same time. Uh, one was The Wind Rises, which I would call an honorable mention for 2014 because it was an excellent film. Um, and the other was this other film that was not actually directed by uh, Miyazaki, but rather, <coughs> rather it was directed by Isao Takahata, who is another one of the prominent Studio Ghibli directors. They were released at roughly the same time. They both got their American release, their American theatrical release, in 2014, which is why I'm putting it on my 2014 list. Um, the Tale of Princess Kaguya is a movie unlike any other movie that I have ever seen. It is based on a Japanese folk tale of a bamboo cutter who finds a child just lying around in the bamboo forest and he takes the child home and raises the child. Uh, and so the, she grows up into a beautiful young woman, um, bringing with her wealth that allows the, the bamboo cutter to buy his way into court. And he buys himself a nice little mansion and his daughter is such a remarkable beauty that she is courted by uh, prominent men and women, well I guess just men. We're not that progressive yet. Um, throughout the country, they all come to visit her. She doesn't want to be tied down, so she sends each of them off on these errands to bring her some impossible souvenir to prove their affection for her. Um, the, the plot definitely has... It's very Japanese, um, which I think Americans get kind of tied up in, in American movies, because American movies can be pretty formulaic. This is, this is not a Disney princess story. This is a tragic tale. It's hilarious, and ultimately, it's going to destroy you just a little bit, because the ending, you won't see it coming. It's pretty hard to watch, um, but it's effective. It's powerful. But what puts the tale of Princess Kaguya at number one is that it is the the second best-looking movie that I've seen this year. (laughs) Uh, Studio Ghibli has a particular style. 
Um, it's very detailed, it's very fluid, and it's gorgeous. Princess Kaguya does not look like that at all. It's very rough, it's very sketchy, the, the colors are all watercolors. Um, but it is fascinating to watch. Um, and in a year that The Book of Life didn't come out, this would have been the best looking movie of the year. <laughs> and frankly, I might change my opinion on that tomorrow. Um, uh, just a fantastic story. Um, the English voice cast I've actually not heard, um, but it's got some pretty decent names, including uh, Chloe Grace Moretz, who is an actress that I just love to, to hear from and I'd love to see more of. Um, but yeah, The Tale of Princess Kaguya was... Uh, I, I really don't know what more to say about it. it. It's sort of what you would get if another culture put out a Disney princess movie. Um, and confession time, guys, I love Disney princess movies. I do. I have, I have opinions on all of them. Aww. All of them. Um, I like Elsa. Mm -hmm. A lot. <laughs> I'm an Anna guy myself. But she's a queen. Tangled is the best. Or <laughs> <laughs> Dave Well, Jasmine's great, too. I think they should fight. <laughs> <laughs> Crossover. Phase 3. But when it's done by Studio Ghibli, it, it's something different. It really is. This was a special experience. Um, it is a little... Again, it, it, there's, there's some cultural differences that will uh, cause some parents to want to want to take a minute and review it before showing it to their children. Uh, yeah, I was actually watching this movie in the theaters with a fellow from church, and there's a breastfeeding sequence. And we both just kind of look at each other and go, hmm, um, hmm. And on the way home, that was the thing that we felt like we had to talk about. <laughs> but, but I mean, it, it's never titillating. It's never. I would say that for most people who have uh, children, they at least will not be scandalized by anything that is in the film. Um, ultimately, Takahata is a director that I'd like to see more of. He, he's done a couple of other films for Studio Ghibli, including the equally emotionally, well, probably superiorly emotionally devastating Grave of the Fireflies. It oh, has yeah. Grave in the title. Of course, it's sad. Oh, I cried <laughs> so many times. Yeah, Tale of Princess Kaguya is not going to tear you down quite like that. Um, but it is beautiful. It is heart-wrenching. The music is fantastic. It's uh, Joe Hisaishi does the music for almost all of the Studio Ghibli films, and he knocks it out of the park again. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know what more to say. Comes out on Blu-ray pretty quick. Check it out. Woo! Yeah! Alright. Another drum roll. Fargo! <laughs> That's the only time the word Fargo. Yeah. We're, we're going from this, like, artsy Japanese imported film to Fargo. Fargo. <laughs> So, I, I actually am not going to go very much in depth, just because I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a cliffhanger, because this is going to be our first video review. But just, I, I will give a little bit of information on this. Um, so, it is a TV show that happens in the same universe as the Fargo movie, but isn't... Well, it, it has some connections a little bit later on, but... It isn't intrinsically connected um, to the Fargo movie. But what it does keep is it definitely keeps the feel of the Fargo movie. So in other words, you have a lot... It is a very dark movie, but there's definitely some humor in there. 
Um, and an example of this, so you have your two main characters are Lorne, Lorne Malvo, who is played by Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> and oh my goodness, is he amazing. I have never wanted to watch so much of Billy Bob Thornton in my entire life. I have never, ever uttered the phrase, I want to watch Billy Bob Thornton right now. But I do. And Lester Nygaard, played by Martin Freeman. Whereas I could watch Martin Freeman all the ding-dong time. <laughs> Every day, all day. And... The, just to give you an example, so Lord Malvo, he's this mysterious, you, you kind of get the feeling that he's a hitman um, from out of town who comes into town and he basically just takes Lester's life and turns it completely upside down um, and turns this coward into, well, I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you guys watch it and see exactly what happens, um, but... An example of the humor that you see in this is there's one point where um, Lord Malvo is picking up a package from the post office, and the guy at the post office says, oh, there's no way that you have anything here. We don't have any idea who you are, blah, blah, blah. And then, he's, and then he looks in the back and he finds a package and he goes, well, that's highly unusual. To which Billy Bob Thornton says, no, highly unusual is the time that I found a foot in a microwave. This is just odd. <laughs> it is an absolutely amazing show. Definitely stay tuned to our first video review, and you'll get a lot more of my take, and it'll be a lot of fun, and we will definitely let you know when that is coming along. All right, so with that, let's go ahead and we'll wrap things up. Um... I do want to talk about a little bit about what's coming in the month of January. So we're going to go through this list very, fairly quickly, however, if any of you want to comment on anything, feel free to just jump right in there. So movies in theaters. There isn't really all that much that is uh, noteworthy coming it's up January. this month. It's, it's January. January. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, we have Taken 3, which... <laughs> so, if you want to see a good movie that was ruined once be ruined twice, you can go see that. Uh, I fell for Taken 2. I fell for it. I was like, hey, I'll, I'll go see it. Wait, were you, you uh, Taken in? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I sure was. But um, ching Alright, um, later on this month we have The Wedding Ringer. Which is basically a bunch of comedians starring in what looks to be a very unfunny movie. <sighs> yeah. I just, I just don't see the point of it. It's like, do best men really, do, do they do that much for you? No, they, 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 they don't. Kevin Hart's funny. Yeah. People in it are funny, but yeah. I don't think the movie's going to be funny. Yeah, exactly. Um, an interesting movie that I, I kind of wanted to get people's take on what they've seen so far, Mordecai. I'm going to give it a chance. I'm going to hope that that uh, it's a good kind of Johnny Depp weird and not the... Oh, uh, here he goes. Is he wearing a dumb hat? He has a mustache. Mustache is not a hat, so it's worth... I'll, I'll give it a try. <laughs> I, I don't know if he's wearing a hat in it, but I don't remember seeing it. We just don't need any more so movies of Johnny Depp with a dumb hat. It, it, it's Johnny Depp, the, the world's token hipster, as with a uh, world's token hipster mustache, so it has the curls on it. There you go. Um, but it, it looks interesting. He's like um, a heart thief or a spy or something? He's kind of a 
bubbling idiot spy, I think is kind of how it goes from what the trailers look like. But anyway, um, also an animated film, Strange Magic. I've heard really good buzz about it, but nothing concrete yet. Exactly. And so that might be something that you might want to check out this month as well. As far as TV, we do have a few new things that I think are noteworthy um, that I'd like to mention. First of all, we have Gallivant. <laughs> Which the trailers for it, I was like, I don't know. But then I heard who's involved and kind of what the story is and good things about it. So I'm going to try it out. I'm going to try it out. Basically, here, here's how I would here's how I would put it. Um, at this point, um, they have released the first couple of episodes, and it's a mini series, so it's only going to be eight episodes long. So imagine a musical version of The Princess Bride meets Monty Python, and that's pretty much what you got. Um, and they they did that. It was called Spamalot. Crap. But it, it is actually it's very funny, very clever. The music is. Uh, unfortunately, very, very... It, it gets stuck in your head. It's definitely earworm music. <laughs> I, right now, am in my head singing the theme song and wishing that I wasn't. But it's it's definitely worth a watch. Um, another miniseries, Agent Carter. Oh, man. I want to see this so bad. Oh, it is... The, the, once again, they've aired the first couple of episodes that are outstanding. Um, it's a period piece. Uh, if you've seen Captain America, the first Avenger, you know who Agent Carter is. And this is kind of the start of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and so it actually involves, you know, there's a lot of Howard Stark. So Tony Stark, Iron Man, is his dad. And it's also their butler plays a huge part of it. Their butler with the last name of Jarvis. Hmm. From the character from the comics, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Edwin Jarvis. Um, but it's it's really good. Um, it's, once again, it's a mini-series, a limited run. They may end up picking it up for another season, but they just kind of are waiting and seeing how it goes. Um, also, something that's very special to me, <sighs> the final season of Parks and Recreation starts this month. Oh, Richard. All right. Blu-rays. <laughs> Okay, we have we have a few different Blu-rays um, this month. We have Boyhood, which is that film that actually took several years to film because they filmed the boy growing up. I thought it was like a Truman Show type thing. It was more like they got together every every year, or every couple of years, and did it, like a short film and put all of that together. But I really thought for a while it was like they picked somebody and they're like, we're going to Truman Show him. That's not the case. Yeah. <laughs> I learned something. <laughs> There's the Equalizer, which pretty much just seems like Denzel Washington taken. Um, I liked that TV show. Tusk, which we should probably care more about since we are a podcast. But we don't. I don't think anything we said could be turned into a movie, but yeah. I don't know, maybe. Um, well, Gone. Have you seen Tusk? No. <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs> Gone Girl, which is getting a lot of Oscar buzz, and it was very highly reviewed. Um, Lucy is coming out this month. So if you want as the movie that we're getting instead of the Black Widow movie. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and then we have some great ones. Box Trolls and Book of Life. Hey, I heard about Book of Life somewhere. Yeah, yeah. weird. <laughs> Apparently it's the most beautiful movie of 2014. Quick <laughs> shout out for the Box Trolls. It was number three. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Studio Leica makes some great looking films, and the Box Pearls is, is, I don't think it's quite as good as some of their earlier work like Coraline, but, oh man, Box Pearls, guys. Box yeah. Pearls. It's really good. Alright, so this month in games, we have Duke Nukem 3D, the Megaton Edition, no coming way. out for Vita and PS3. <laughs> so basically, if you want to relive the era when they didn't know how to make first person shooters, you can do that. Um, My first land party with Duke Nukem. <laughs> Alright, speaking of remasters, we have Resident Evil, the first one, HD. Which is and a remaster of the remaster that came out on the GameCube of the PlayStation original title. <laughs> and the remaster of the game, the remaster that was on the GameCube was probably the first time that I very nearly wet my pants while playing a game. It was yes. that scary. So you haven't played Fatal Frame, have you? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I'm actually really kind of interested to see what they do with the Wii U, with the Wii U um, Fatal Frame Prime. Um, and another another game, it's an indie game that I actually am really looking forward to. It's called Citizens of Earth. And the reason why I'm looking forward to this game is it is it's very similar to in its style and in a lot of its gameplay to Earthbound, oh. which is one of my favorite games of all time. Um, and it's very tongue-in-cheek. Basically, you play the vice president of the world, and you have to go and gather people to your cause, and then you make them fight them um, to get other people for your cause. But there are some things that are really cool about it, because like they go around and you have to get, um, basically, to recruit somebody, you have to complete a task for them. So there's also a little bit of that early adventure game point-and-click aspect there that I love. And that, that's coming out for the PC, the PS4, the Vita, the Wii U, and the 3DS. Um, then there's Dying Light, which is a zombie game that's coming out for PC, PS4, Xbox One. PC version of Grand Theft Auto V, which if you haven't played it yet, then you're probably not someone who's going to play it now. Um, and my personal most excited one is Grim Fandango Remastered, because I love me some Grim Fandango. All right, and another, then, another day of the dead infused piece of pop culture. Oh, definitely. <laughs> and then, last but not least, releasing in Netflix this month. So we have we have some great movies. Um, there's Bruce Almighty. Then we have some bad movies, Batman and Robin. <laughs> All right, um, but really, this is actually a great month that they're adding a lot of great content. Castaway, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Can't stop here. This is bad country. <laughs> Love here and Lily. Love it. Um, mean Girls. Always great. Guilty Pleasure. <laughs> Wayne's World 2. Um, also, you wouldn't go on stage that night to let a thousand brown M&Ms to fill a brandy glass. I just... Oh, he tells that story over and over again. That movie's so funny. Oh, uh, gosh. It, it's, a, it's like... I don't know. I love the first one. And the first one is, is Wayne's World, but the second one is Overlooked, I think. Oh, definitely. So good. Alright, also the complete series of Friends. Which, if you're like me, and you, you're married to uh, my wife, that's, <laughs> that's just me, but... If, if the suburban white guy who has a wife will only be watching Friends this month, I think, is what's going to happen. Because See, and, and, and with me, I, I think that sitcoms have evolved beyond laugh tracks, and so I cannot stand 
multi-cam. You can't go back and watch old sitcoms. I, some I, of them are fine. Some of them I are funny. It. Some of them it's like, yeah, great TV. But like, I, it, it, there's a lot of it. Yeah. There's ten years of it. And then, last but not least, a personal favorite show of mine, the last season is now on Netflix, Psych. Mmm. Find the pineapple. And so, that is what's coming up this month. Any last thoughts, guys? Last thoughts? Nope. Alright, in that case... <laughs> in that case, stay tuned for our reviews that are going to be shortcoming. Um, that are going to be coming shortly. Yeah, shortcoming. There's not going to be any shortcomings. <laughs> because it's going to be professional, Dagnabbit. Um, and we will see you on our next podcast next month. Alright. Woo!